Welcome to Cooking the Books, the food and hospitality podcast discussing all aspects of the industry. We interview chefs, butchers, brewers, winemakers, restaurateurs, restaurant managers, and we talk about how they got to this point, through the good times and the bad, and what they've got planned for the future. This is Cooking the Books. This week on the podcast, we had Chef Matt Wilkinson. Matt has done it all. He's worked for the top chefs, run the Yit restaurant, owned his own cafe, written three books, as well as he's managed a farm. He's had some ups and downs, but he's really embraced the journey and made sure he's had heaps of fun on the way, with a capital fun, as he says. This is a long one, guys. We go through Matt's career from beginning to present. We chew the fat, and Matt brings up some fantastic points, which I think we should all be discussing. I hope everyone enjoys it. This week, the podcast is brought to you by City Larder, the charcuterie specialist, specialising in terrines, pâtés and rillettes for the retail and food service market here in Australia. City Larder just received two gold medals for the free-range chicken leek and truffle terrine and also the free-range chicken liver pâté. The only charcuterie company to receive uh, gold medals for terrines, pâtés or rillettes this year in the Australian Food Awards. Now, over to the show. Thank you, thank you very much for coming. Awesome, Rahul. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I just want to put it out there straight away. Um, right at the beginning when we started City Larder, you won the first people to give us a give us an opportunity when you had um, hams, hams, and hams and bacon. Hams yeah. and bacon. And um, and you also give us a massive tip. I don't know if you, I don't know if you remember this meeting properly, but you yeah. give us this great tip. You said, um, if you are looking to do this, what you want to do is you want to get some medals, go to some competitions. And at this point, I didn't even know anything about medals yeah. and competitions and food and, you know, the whole thing. I was, I was quite new to Australia at the time. And you said, no, no, go and get some medals because then that'll give you some rec- recognition of what you're doing and all that. And we did, and that year we won gold. for the, the p- so, we won, so we won some medals and that really helped That really helped us along. So, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, awesome. That's I really good. Appre- That's I, great. I really appreciate that and giving us that leg up and that bit of confidence that someone would take it, especially, you know, you, you've got a bit of a reputation around here and people trust what you say. So I think we used you yeah. to back, you know, to go to other people <laughs> and say, oh, you know, Matt said, you know, yeah. he, he's got it in his store and that helped us with the business. So thank you very much. No, well, it was it's bloody great product. That's the main thing. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not, it's not, it's like, we wouldn't have gone in if it was <laughs> shit. I know, I know, I know, I know that. But you know, some a bit of that bit of trust it goes yeah. a long way. I appreciate yeah, it. Awesome. Well, you're from Barnsley, right? Barnsley? Yeah, Barnsley. So Barnsley to Melbourne. What happened there? How did you? What brought you to Melbourne? So it was one. Of, I guess I, I think it's a real wild story. Like it's it's quite long. So no, I think plenty so of like, time. We've got plenty of so time. As the saying goes, there's Barnsley born, Barnsley bred, soft in the heart, thick in the head. <laughs> and <laughs> like I, so like, you know, Barnsley's famous. It, 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 it gives really good looking people, obviously, myself. Yeah, uh, good face for podcasting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Great face for me. Yeah. Uh, Michael Parkinson, Dickie Bird. It's a coal mining town. Dickie Bird is a cricketer. The cricket the, uh, umpire. umpire. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Michael Parkinson, obviously, the TV yeah, yeah. Uh, host. Um, so it's 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 kind of like this industrial jungle slash um, borders on the Pennines, so the start of the Peak District. Yeah. Um, so I was born, raised on that edge. My grandfather was a miner. My dad uh, never went into mining. He was the only out of all my uncles. He was the only one that didn't go into it. Disappointing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he went he went into booze. So 
I've drinking it or like working, it? working for companies that did it. Yeah, so yeah. my my I guess I was born into it. Um, my dad worked for Gilby's Gin Smirnoff, um, Hennessy, and then he worked for um, Scottish Courage, which was John Smith's, and that brought Fosters over. So there's that this connection straight away when I was young of meeting Paul Hogan. I had like Fosters oh, beer yeah. mats and Fosters. I can remember when they were trialing um, tinnies of. VB and I'd have been, I'd have been eleven. VB in England. VB in England, and because oh. they, they tried VB first in England before Fosters. Before Fosters, right, and then okay. they brought in Fosters with the Paul Hogan, and that's what they went with. And then Fosters. So my dad was the. So was this round about um, what's it film called? Um, Crocodile Dundee. What, round about yeah, that yeah, time. Yeah, that same, yeah, yeah. Just just before I think it just before it come out, and then it came out, and that's what was part of like Fosters became like the number one lager in England. Anyway, so that's that connection to there. Um, Mum and dad got divorced when I was about eight. Dad um, went into living above a pub, his best mate, owned like 16 pubs. So on the weekend, I was always in the pub. Um, school, you know, classic non-English boy. Uh, good at a couple of subjects, but liked, um, liked football. And anyway, I left I left like year 10. I uh, went back and did almost, so I did almost 15. 15 yeah, so 15, did all my studies and I did all right. Um, but when I'd done my exams, I, I'd been in the pub and I, what I wanted to do was be a landlord. <laughs> well, I was 16, uh, let alone not being old enough to drink. I couldn't own a pub. So I had to go back. So I went to Col- Barnsley College, Tech College, and I had this tutor, John Stevenson. He was a, he was the tutor, but he was a chef. So it was a front of house course, but I had to do one day a week in the kitchen and I hated it. I hated the idea of being in Chef White's, that toggle, those fucking sorry, yeah, stupid no, hats no, that you fine. had to wear. Yeah, yeah, neck the and, and the all ironed, yeah. you know, it was like, and growing up in the pub, like, I got teased a lot by the older guys calling me, you know, Pons and all the, all those names that, you know, not politically correct to say nowadays, but it's like, I got teased a lot by older guys because, you know, what they're doing, chefing's a bloody woman's game. <laughs> and they still say that. Like, I, go, I went back to this pub like three years ago and goes, oh, they're still bloody doing that woman's job. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like, that's just, that just says what Barnsley is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it, I get it. Um, anyway, I hated it. And John Stevenson, um, he came to me, he goes, you're not that great at studying, but I think you'll make a great chef. I was like, piss off, John, I hate it. Anyway, he goes, he goes I've got... In the Easter break, why don't you go down? My son works just on the outskirts of London at this um, uh, country house hotel called Warren House. You know, it's all there's good chefs there. He's a sous chef. Why don't you go and work? I was like, only if, I'll, I'll do a couple of days in the kitchen, but I want to do it front of house. Live like, in, live in, was it? It was living. I right? love living. So I went down there, and Michael Taylor was the head chef, and Andrew uh, was the sous chef. And anyway, the first day they put me in the kitchen. I'm like, John, you bastard. <laughs> anyway, I got in and I was like, whoa, I like this. This is loud. This is yeah, crazy. Exciting. It's exciting. Yeah, it's yeah. hot. It's like, and just before lunch service, Mike, the head chef, he cut his finger off oh, with, uh, you know, the pastry knife, the straight edge pastry yeah, knife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He grabbed his finger, pissed off, went to the hospital, got it sewn up, came back for lunch service. Okay. And I'm like, this guy's tough. <laughs> and then in the <laughs> afternoon, we raced down to the pub. We all had a pint. Yeah. <laughs> Came back to do the service. And I'm like, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Anyway, he... Oh, no. Same knife. No. He cut his middle finger. 
and it was hanging off. And I'm like going, oh, what is this? What is this? This is this is wild. He got the, he got the knife. He opened up the window and he threw the knife into the orchard. And I've I've still got that knife now. And he's like, and he's gone, and he's come back for service. And and I'm like, this guy's tough. Yeah, it's a fucking Terminator. Yeah, it was like I'm like, and he was like. He was small, but he so he was he was the former joint head chef and pastry chef of Lortland, which was John Burton Racers, oh, two yeah, Michelin yeah, star. Yeah, John Burton Racers. We famous, just talked about him a few months ago. Yeah, famous for like bashing people. Yeah. And Mike was on that Panorama one where the, you know, yeah, I remember it. Yeah, yeah, Mike's I the one that, that was there in the corner bashing <laughs> somebody. <laughs> so it was like it was like not violent, but it was just yeah, full like, on. We shouldn't laugh, but it was like looking Old back school. now, I love like it, it cemented everything I love. Anyway, so Mike. Um, Came back to service, and during service, it was this, this classic dish of a you know uh, cooked in a blanc globe artichoke, yeah. crab mousse in that, smoked salmon over the top, glazed with a little bit of lemon vinaigrette, two pieces of chives coming out. Flour the top in of the it. blanc, uh, flour in the blanc, yeah, yeah lemon it. lemon water flour, yeah, um, and then the salad of the classic, perfectly picked frisée, frisée. yeah, yeah, okay. uh, finely chopped shallots, tomato concasse, a few more char- finely brunoise, uh, uh, finely chopped. Shallots, um, chives, yeah, more French vinaigrette, and that was the dish. Beautiful on this old, you know, like yeah, Royal Worcester or it. Royal Dalton plate. We used to do nearly enough the same thing, but where you had the crab mousse, we used mm. to we used to do like a whipped goat's cheese. Whipped goat's cheese. It's like, and so it was like, like looking back at it now, and like you know, you could pick up a Simon Tom, uh, Simon Hopkinson book, yeah, yeah, and see it now. It was, it was, I love. He's my favorite author, by yeah. The way. Well, yeah. Nigel Slater and him are mine. Yeah, like Nigel Slater's voice on food is amazing. Yeah. Anyway, so. There was these chives, and Mike's in front of me, and he put these two chives in, and I grabbed them, I threw them on the floor, and I put two new ones in it, and he turned around, and he fucking grabbed me. He's like, what are you doing that for? What was that? I was like, I don't know, chef, they just look shit. <laughs> and I put two new ones in. He's like, slap me on the back. Good lad. Yeah. We went to the pub. That's when I first picked up my first Marlboro Light off the... <laughs> oh, he was playing the Bandit. How, so old are you? 16. 16. 16 yeah. He was playing the Bandit. And I'd had a couple of cigs before, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I didn't really like it. And I'm like, oh, this guy's cool. <laughs> <laughs> picked up the cigarette, lit it, drinking a pint. I'm 16. I'm in like just the outskirts of London in Worcester Park where it's all like the Chelsea things. I'm like, this is good. <laughs> I like this. Yeah. Oh, that's it. You're hooked, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I was hooked. Fucking and then the next shit. morning I went in and I had to be in for like six o'clock to do the breakfast shift. And the general manager of the hotel, Mike's like, oh, just want to see in the office. And I'm like, oh, fuck, what have I done? Like, I don't know. Scared? Yeah, I was like, yeah. I've done something wrong here. Oh, they're going to send me home early. This is oh, like, I really love this place. And the chairman went, Mike thinks you've got it. Do you want a job? We got, they offered me living 17, I think it was just short of 17,000 pounds a year. Fuck, that's unbelievable right, money. 16. And I'm like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Living for free. Living for free. Fuck. And that much money. Yeah, yeah. Right? 17 grand back S- then. And 16. So I went home. Getting him um, on your dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I went home and that was like joyous. And then from there, because it wasn't a Michelin star, it was, it was privately owned by ICI. So it was... ICI? ICI. Teesside? I yeah, know yeah. Well, things... Yeah, yeah. They're, they're... Where they're... There. So... I, the Warren House was like the world conference and the one in Teesside was like the other conferencing place yeah, yeah. for them. Yeah. I think I might have worked there on, on my um, work experience at school maybe. ICI at Wilton. Wilton, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. The, the con- so the Warren House was um, Henry VIII's old like banging pallets where he used to <laughs> meet women and have a... Because it was... I think it was like half a day's ride out of... From ha- um, Hampton... Hampton Hall, was it? The oh, Hampton yeah, Castle? Yes. Yeah, anyway, so... That was that was that was that, and then um, 
I wanted to go and chase like Michelin stars. So I did a lot of stages in you know, aubergine. Oh, um, when when Gordon Ramsay yeah. was there. Um, How was that? Wild. Was it? Um, I can't remember who was the sous chef then, but it was a guy that worked with Martin at uh, Lautland. Um, I went to and saw like a big, huge restaurant, which was um, Blackbird, Bluebird. And um, what was the big Conran ones? Yeah, Jasper Conran. Yeah, yeah. I did a couple of those. I went and did a couple of the Marco ones, and then I went and staged at. There was the a Titanic, pharmacy. wasn't there? That was another yeah. big one. There was. Oh, um, what was that Jasper Conran? Was the one where Curtis Stone was? Anyway, so did yeah. a stage there. And so I did a stage a lot, and that was part of the weekend stuff. And um, Mike's like. Uh, and when it meant one of his best friends, which was Martin Wishart. So Martin Wishart had just taken over for Marco, the pharmacy, which is Damien Hurst's, you know, where he had all the cows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went in and did a day there, and Martin's like, look, I'm well, he was Scottish, he's originally from Edinburgh. Yeah. And he's like... His restaurant's now in Edinburgh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I've eaten there. Restaurant Martin Wishart. Unbelievable. So he's like, he's like, oh, look, I'm going to open my own restaurant. And his wife's um, Mexican-French. And oh. they're like, oh, we're going to open a restaurant in Barcelona. And I'm like... And Mike says, you're looking, you start to look for a job. I was, I went for a job interview for, at uh, Le Manoir and they'd give me that. And then Mike's like, oh, yeah, do, do you want to come and work for me in Barcelona? I'm like, my life's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah, exactly. No, nice I do weather, not. Beautiful no. women. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> being this good looking, the women <laughs> yeah, will like me all exactly. over me. Um, anyway, so in the end, it didn't happen. He went and opened it up in bloody Edinburgh. <laughs> right? So it's like... Freezing cold. <laughs> um, Sorry for anybody that's Scottish. Like, yeah. Anyway. Bad man. Uh, yeah, 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 like, yeah, I get it. I get so it. as an English person, moving to, I moved to Scotland uh, and helped decorate the original Martin Wishart. So I was ah. there from day dot. It, it, not where it is now. Like yeah, on, it is where it is. It's in that water. On the, the, the wharf. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Um, what's it? 52, 42 the shore. Yeah, yeah. Um, in Leith. And, you know, my walk home. So I, I went there and I just turned 19. So so this must be what this is 99 90, 99 99 yeah and uh January 99 started freezing cold classic Scotland and where I lived I had to walk through the red light district to get to my house so I ended up along spending the way spending all my wages spending all the wages <laughs> <laughs> I went from 17,000 to like 50 pound a week yeah <laughs> oh, for sure and I got my living I lived with uh, Martin's brother Gary but yeah, it was. Are you all. still friends? Yeah, 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 like like both of them are idols. Like you know, yeah, like yeah. The, I, look, I couldn't look up to anybody more. But Martin was like a really, he just. Um, so he how was, old will he? How old will he have been at that point? Oh, I'd have been late twenties. Yeah, fuck maybe, that's maybe just yeah, maybe like twenty nine, like yeah. or early thirties maybe. But he was he could cook like, and he's the one that, you know, I had to go and drive his mini to pick up the scallops and the pheasants and everything from um, Edinburgh train station at six o'clock starts but i worked like a dog yeah yeah like of course we were five six o'clock starts one two three o'clock finishes yeah. it was you know 100 hour week military buses, military you know, isn't it? extra six six days type thing and yeah and uh, just going to that like you come your day off and then someone like you know stevie's Walked out halfway through service, yeah. so they look at you. It's your day off tomorrow, you're like, fuck, it's my yeah, day off. Yeah. So, and then you hate that person, yeah. you're not <laughs> your best mate. Yeah, all of a sudden well, it goes from off to on. Do you know what I mean? Well, on the roster, I found it was really hard time for me. Like, it, it really, like, you saw people break all the time, and I finally broke. Like, one day it was so funny, like, it was this chocolate sorbet. And, like, looking back now, it's like I put way too much sugar syrup in the chocolate sorbet, and it just wouldn't churn. It's set, yeah. And it's like just not churning around, and service has started. And Martin's like, What the fuck is wrong with you? Where the fuck <laughs> where are you? So, my section was all entrees, 
And dessert. Dessert, yeah, it's standard. And yeah, then yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. like, I'm like, so biggest section. And, and, <laughs> and Martin, is, he'd do the, so it was Tuesday to Saturday open, Tuesday to Friday lunch, and you had to have a brand new lunch menu every Tuesday. And it finished Friday. But Friday night, the new a la carte menu started. But you couldn't have too much because it was only Friday, Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And then you couldn't have enough in your fridge. Like Sundays was always Sitting like events, around, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, so you didn't have, you have just enough. And it was like, I've got so many stories about Martin's about how I was in this shit all the time. But um, That you know, feeling that of your heart beating out your he chest. He wanted tomato concas and shallots and chives cooked five minutes before service started. Yeah. So they all, you know... And like my nice girls aren't the greatest, but it was like you learn to do those things. Anyway, so with Martin's like this chocolate thing, I'm like, he's like, what's fucking wrong with you? What's wrong with you? I'm like, it just won't, it, it won't set, chef. It won't <laughs> set. It's like, what are you fucking? Out? I was like, chef, I'm just fucking help out. What I do? He's like, just fucking fix it. So I've, I've taken it out, and it's like ch- chocolate milkshake. Yeah. I put it in the freezer. And it's just not setting. And I'm rocking up against the freezer because it was the freezer was like in the changing room. And I'm rocking up and down at the freezer going, Come on, come on. And he's walked in and he's going, You've got fucking all around. And I just start crying. Yeah. Broke down. And he's like, Mate, mate, what are you doing? What's wrong? What's I was like, You fucking I'm fucking He's like, Go home. So I went, I walked back and I had no money on me. Right. So I had to go to the off license that I'd gone into and then become friends with can I borrow like can I borrow two Stellas <laughs> and a packet of fags? I'll pay you on Monday when I get paid. <laughs> this was like Friday, <laughs> and he's like, on yeah, the tick, so it was like, well, I won't say it, but it was an Indian guy. He's like, yeah, yeah no worries. Yeah, and I sat in the park just drinking these, <laughs> and then I went back and got another four from him. <laughs> just sat there, <laughs> and then his brother Gary came and picked me up. Anyway, I went home. I went. My, I got my dad to come pick me up the Sunday. Oh, I met my dad in Newcastle actually on the Sunday and yeah. said, Dad, I can't do it anymore. I'm fucking broken, and. I got back on the train and decided that I... Oh, so that was it? That was your last service you did no, there? Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. That I was I can't plan. do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, Dad, I'm like... We, he took us to this awesome Italian in Newcastle. It was a really vivid memory. Of, and I'm like, I just can't do it anymore. He's like, it's all right, son. We've got you. Go back on the... So I went, went down on the day, got the late night train back um, late, early hours of Sunday morning. And at the, air, at the train station, Martin's there with Martin's dad. And I'm like, well, all right, well, this is a bit weird. What's going on? My dad had called up Martin and said, look, this is what's happening. Martin's dad goes, Can you, come on, we're going to the pub. So they took us to the pub. This is like fucking three o'clock in the morning. And the pubs are still open. Yeah, like, Lee's yeah, walk. yeah, yeah. I remember drinking this fucking warm at McEwen's lager. And uh, uh, Martin's dad Said to Martin, like, I'll just piss off for a while. I want to have a chat with Matt. And Martin's dad explained to me about Martin when he was at Gavroche and Albert Jr. and him doing the same thing. Yeah. And Albert Jr. calling his dad and him having a conversation. He goes, So, whatever you think is, if today is your last day, don't worry. It happens to most of them all. You've broken. The only way is up. Yeah. But I, I think you've done an amazing job. It's, it's been like 14 months yeah. I've been working. And then Martin came in and he goes, look. And Martin and his brother had both been around Australia. He goes, why don't you go to Australia? Have a break. But just give me six more months and I'll give you um, three grand. Three thousand pounds. Oh, which is what I needed to come to, to Australia. To Australia, yeah. As an extra wage. I was like, fucking little bonus. A bit of bonus. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I went home, spoke with his brother. 
had a relaxing day Monday thing, and went back to work Tuesday. So that was it. That was like... How was it? Just out of injury, how was the vibe after that? Did he still treat you the same? He went harder on me. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. But there was one, another one scene, like, he didn't like ease off. Yeah, he yeah. went harder. <laughs> and I'm like, every day, so his best mate was Mike, who's Mike ended up like my big brother. Yeah. He's like, I went fishing with him, went hunting with him. He's like, he was my first head chef at Warren House. I kept calling him up and going, Mike, what the fuck? it's not going easier on me. And neither was Mike. Mike wasn't going, no, it's all right. He's give up. No, he was like, so I had to get start coming up with uh, dessert ideas. <laughs> okay, Mike, I'm, I'm 19. I've been working for like three and a half years. Vianetta. Well, uh, exactly. Yeah. Well, this is the best bit of advice Mike ever told me. He goes, I'm not going to give you recipes. I'm not going to give you the ideas. You go around the supermarkets and you tell me what flavor profiles works. Look at the yogurts. Look in the frozen section. Look, yeah. at, look, at, look at things that people are making. And then come back and we'll d- design a dish together. Around that. And that's what we ended up doing. Yeah, because they're and putting their money into the research. Yeah. And then, yeah, so like yeah. Black Forest Gatto. Yeah, right? yeah. There's a famous Michelle Rue dish of the teardrop, and it's basically Black Forest Gatto. What flavors go well with cream? So your panna cotta, strawberry, vanilla, yogurt. Yeah, so yeah. it's a panna cotta, basically. So it's a set. So then I'd have to come up with these ideas, and Mike would give me the recipes then, and then I could go in and do them for the lunch menu, and if they worked, they went on the night menu. Yeah. That's where the, the, the rice pudding came from yeah. in... Um, um, it was a Martin's recipe, but I'd, I was so starving. I'd gone to the supermarket and Ambrosia rice pudding cream, you know, that cold yeah, thing yeah, yeah, was there yeah. and was on special. And it was like, oh, it was like <laughs> 20 pence. <laughs> yeah. So I opened it and I got back home and I ate it like as if I was like Oliver from <laughs> Oliver <laughs> Twist. Starting, I'm like, oh, it's actually really quite good. It's cold rice pudding, and which I used to hate when my nan used to yeah, make yeah, it. Yeah. And I went in the next day and said, look, this recipe. Um, I had this cold rice pudding. I'd love to do like an ice cream with it or, you know, pre-dessert. And Martin's gone, I've got this recipe from Albert Room. And we had slightly adapted it together. And that's the one that was still on Pope Joan just until we closed Pope Joan was the breakfast cold rice pudding. And I tried it with, um, it used to be a pre-dessert of Unimon as a a rice pudding ice cream. It's It's moved around And that's where it came from. Yeah, Um, yeah. And, you know, so, so anyway, so Martin gave me the money um, at the end, I, I finished up. Classic Martin Scottish. Um, my leaving party, we always went to this place called Giuliano's, a pizza place in in Edinburgh, top of Leith Walk. All the staff have been invited. I, th- I was like, yeah, it's fucking really good. I made it. Boom, boom, boom. Got on it. You know, and then we went out afterwards. That was the Saturday night. Monday morning, come to say bye. Um, my dad's come pick me up. We've packed all the car up. It's exciting. I've got six weeks off. I was going to France and uh, then I was going out to Australia. And bloody Martin gives me the envelope. He goes, Yeah, Martin, just to let you know, it's like, there's your money, but I've just taken out the stuff. <laughs> the, the party that we had. So it's like £333 short, all right? And I'm like, You fucking type bastard. He's like, Classic Scott. That is brilliant. And then uh, imagine my mum's my now. Going out with a Scot. Well, he's from Lancashire, Scott. And yeah. I was like, I never fucking forgive him. <laughs> that, anyway. is, that is the best. Yeah, I it is. This is like, it's classic. Like going, Here's your leaving party. Thanks for working really, really hard. <laughs> but I've just taken I've just taken the food and the beer out for it. <laughs> for everyone. And Joe, Joe Taggart, who's now the head chef of Martin Wishart, was like this. <laughs> That's absolutely gold. Uh, what a fucking great story. So that was that. That was two. So what year is that? 
So this is uh, 2000. Yeah. So I flew in around August 2000. So I've been here 18 years now. And I came over. In, in it all, Martin knew Raymond Capaldi, of all people. And him and Gary Megan had just opened, I can't remember what it was called, in Richmond. It was a restaurant in, in Richmond. And they were working together. Anyway, I was supposed to come out and work for them. But I was supposed to have three months holiday and then go, uh, go and see them when I came in August. And then go and start with them closer to Christmas. I, was just a, I just wanted a bit of a break. Yeah, yeah. So we agreed on that. But then a few other Scottish guys that knew Martin uh, had gone out to work for him. So a day before I flew out to Australia, so I was flying out from Manchester late at night. The day before, Craigie Jenkins, who'd been the sous chef at, for uh, for Ray, had come back going, don't go away from me, fucking psycho. <laughs> and after working for a Scottish psycho only 250 kilometres away from where I'd come from, there's no way I'm going 25,000 kilometres yeah, yeah. to, to work for another, another one. one. Yeah. <laughs> Type <laughs> bastards as well. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I... I and I, I I had a working I didn't have a working holiday visa I just had a holiday visa yeah okay because I was gonna do it and then they'd say, I can remember speaking with Gary saying yeah you'll be fine we'll sort it out when you get here and I was like well I can't go and work like I've, I've got this I need a, a year's holiday and we'd, there was a couple of us you know one from England a mate from Scotland and we we're all meeting in Melbourne around mid August and I'm like Fuck. so I had to get the train straight down to London. That day, as soon as he told me, I was like panicking. Oh, swap your visa, right? Get my visa. Yeah, I yeah. waited there, going, I'm not going to get this. And then came back, and then I flew out the next that, that next day. So that was interesting. And then, so then I came, and when I got that money from Martin, my grandfather gave me a bit more money to take it back to the three grand, because <laughs> <laughs> that's what you needed in your bank account. Yeah, yeah. I oh, I remember I, that. I think, yeah, yeah. I think my, grand, my grandfather gave me like a grand and something, and mum and dad gave me some. Anyway, it was about f- I had four grand in the bank. Yeah. And I came over and it was just short of, for every one pound, you got four dollars. Jesus Christ. So I came in. Is that what it was then, yeah. was it? And I like, lived like a king. Like, you imagine having that much money. Yeah, yeah. I just went, whoa! <laughs> and I spent it all in about eight weeks. <laughs> <laughs> we, and I ended up, we bought, I bought a, a, a Datsun one, t- we were at this nightclub in Essendon. With some mechs. So I, I actually started working behind the bar at the Ridges Hotel because I didn't want to go into cooking. I just wanted some time out. Yeah. So this is another story. Like, so I'm working at Ridges Hotel and there's this this guy's gone, yeah, I'll have a Bundy and Coke. So I'm like, there you go. He goes, he, he drinks it. He goes, like, I'm not very good at Auss- Aussie acting. Yeah, yeah. Mate, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's your bun- uh, brandy and coke. Oh, me brandy. With, me with my accent. And he, I made it again. He's going, mate, are you a fucking DK? And I'm like, don't fucking swear at me. I'm gonna fucking, and I got, we got into this like blue about to fight. And he's going, mate, I want a brandy and coke. I'm good. That's what I'm just giving you a brandy and coke. I've never heard of brandy rum ever. Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. gone. And we were laughing about it in the end. In the end, I got so pissed with him. And a group of us went, went to this club in Essendon. And I bought this one, that's some 180B. <laughs> Car. I don't even know what one is, honestly. It's like, it's like, it was a, I think it was like a 70s, 76, I think oh, it was. Okay, yeah. It's like Australian's version of the Escort, the old Escort yeah, yeah. Um, model. I, I know what you mean. Anyway, it cost $50, right? And the three of us got in it with this girl, I can't remember what this girl's name was, and we drove from Melbourne to Sydney. It, it broke down near outside Bittergong, so we got it towed in, and then... 
after not after this night out. After this night out, oh, really? we didn't go straight from that yeah, night out. Yeah, but yeah. This is where I met this guy in this club to yeah. buy a car. We're yeah. like, yeah, well, you know, um, it was expensive to fly then to Sydney, and we were heading that way. It was like I didn't really want to go on the coach. I was like, well, I didn't really know about a camper van. I wasn't yeah, that yeah, yeah. really good at backpacking. Yeah. Um. So we got this car anyway. We we got to Mittagong and uh, broke down had a few nights in Mittagong and then got to Sydney and it broke down just before Bondi <laughs> and we literally just pushed it into the roundabout at the top of Bondi Junction and walked down the hill into the backpackers and <laughs> I woke up just before Christmas. I'd met this girl in Melbourne and I'd not who's my wife now but and I just woke up before I woke up before Christmas going and I was like starkers on Bondi Beach like em- beer bottles everywhere and vodka bottle empty and I'm like <laughs> No money. <laughs> I'm like, I've got, I can't afford to pay rent. So I had to like bail from the from the backpackers, and I headed back to. I, I called my mum up and she gave me some money for a flight back to Melbourne. And I stayed with Adele and I was like, I've got to start cooking again. Um, and I bought the good food guide about where I wanted to That's work. That's what we did. That's what I did as well. Um, and so this was this was the 2000 good food guide, and it was just after New Year. So the top of my list was to go and work for uh, Philippa Sibley and Donovan Cook yeah. at Estes Test. Yeah. And uh, I went to Estes Test and it was the front door was closed. So I went down the back alley to have a look and there was, a, there was Donovan Cook there. And I was like, oh, I just want to fuck off and come back tomorrow. I was like, I'm just wondering if you close the door. I was like, because <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was from Yorkshire. I was like, yeah, we've got something in common. Comment, yeah, blah, connection. Blah. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, no. So cross that off. And then I went in. I wanted to work for it was then uh, Philippe Michel, yeah. um, and he was at Langtons. And I'd read this. And I was like, oh, but it was a busy. Ser- it was lunch service. And it was busy. So I was like, oh, I can't go in during lunch service. I'll come back. Yeah. And then I went and met a met, met a mate who was running Brunetti's, which was Brunetti's, as in the the the, the, ca- the cafe yeah, yeah, place. The cafe thing, yeah. It used to have a. Re- it used to be on Faraday Street, opposite the old View de Monde. Yeah, and it used to have a restaurant beside it. So he ran that, Mark. Um, he actually owns um, the Recreation now okay. um, in Carlton uh, or in Clifton Hill, North Fitzroy. Um, anyway, so Mark goes, "Oh, you should go around to Two Fits." I was like, "Oh, yes, yeah, it's on my list." Like, it, I think it was like number four. Oh, I could learn about how to prep and cook Australian fish. Brilliant. Went and saw Michael Bakash, and he's like, nah, mate, like, you're English, you can only work for me for three months. I was like, yeah, but, you know, like, it's like, you know, I'm good, this is my CV, blah, blah. He's like, nah, nah, I'm not interested. So then I walked, so I'd, origi- I'd not actually told Capaldi or Gary Megan that I'd... Oh, you're not going. That wasn't going. <laughs> so they're expecting me to rock up, I still not rocked up. And Martin had, you know... I'd spoken to Ray quite a few times. Oh. Anyway, so then I went across the road to Carlton. Well, I went back to see Mark, had a coffee, uh, a cup of tea, because I didn't drink coffee then. And he was like, well, there's Viewdemont across the road. And I was like, oh, Viewdemont, it's like, it was like number 10. And the only, because Shannon worked for um, Marco and for Burton Race, and obviously yeah, the, connection. Mar- the connection with Martin and yeah. Mike. So I went across the across, door was open, and Shannon was there making the, and you'd know it, it's like the... Uh, Ox tongue, foie gras, lentil terrine wrapped in uh, um, parma ham or prosciutto yeah, yeah. or pancetta. And I said, look, I'm here looking for a job. This is my thing. I was like, 
He's like, oh, that's great. I'm looking for staff. I was like, oh, do you want a hand? I've made this drink quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I started making it and I started the next day. And then How that was it. There? I was I'd, I was 21. Bloody hell. So I came on board and I was the first. Uh, so I stayed there for three years. Yeah. Uh, with Shannon. And that, I loved it. Did you? Yeah. A lot. Of, we went through a lot of staff there. In my three years, I think when I left, I think I was number 79 to leave. Jesus Christ. And he'd been open three and a half years. But coming from that background, you know what I mean? Like yeah, I, I actually found it e- easy. <clears throat> yeah. um, and loved Australia Live and loved that. So they were like three joyous years. And it, it's actually quite funny. My wife, Charlie, I, it's, it's known if you worked at Vudemont, even later on, you might have heard of the story of how I got sacked. No, no. <laughs> we had a massive blue <laughs> during <laughs> Valentine's Day. Who did? Me and Shannon. Did you? Yeah. I've got my version. He's got his. So we'll, I'll not say yeah, what it yeah, is. Yeah. It's all, all yeah. nice, but your friends now, mm, whatever. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Yeah, whatever. I've, I've got my things that I think, but anyway, yeah, he um, he sacked me because I told him to go fuck himself. <laughs> so he <laughs> sacked me on the it. spot, that'll and now it, yeah. I, and I was and he said, "Get out, you're fired." I was like, and he used to fire people a lot. And he thought it was good, like you'd fire and you'd just come back the next day. And I said to him, "I'm not coming back tomorrow. I'm never. If you if, if you really want to fire me right now, I was a sous chef." Like, there's some amazing stuff just have gone through that business. I was like, yeah. I'm never coming back. And I never went back. I was waiting the next day for a pint. I said, well, thanks so much. I was sponsored by him. And I said, you just... And then that was it, really. That was... And then a few of the businesses. And um, it was but funny. My wife started a year, a week after I'd got sacked. And there's no way our children would be born if we'd have met there yeah, and then. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like that... You know, like closing doors, yeah, sliding doors thing. Doors, yeah, because she would have yeah. seen you there. And yeah, yeah, I was a rat back. Yeah, I, 20, I was 24 when I left. A when you look back, back, what a twat. Sometimes you can be a right, a right twat, can't you? Do you know what I mean? Like, when you yeah. were that age, do you know what I mean? Like, I look back and think, just so, I tell you what, what made a big change was having kids. Yeah. I remember being younger than some guys, you know, in a more senior position and them having, just having children at that time or whatever and not being sympathetic at yeah. all. And I thought, you know, you just, you were a little twat. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, it's that carefree element, but also it is a dog-eats-dog world. And I, I'm, I'm, I, one thing I didn't like in, in all the kitchens I ever worked in, but when I did some stages was that element in that day where it wasn't worked as a team. Whenever you worked together as a team in the kitchen, you always did great things and you got great memories together and high five, but... It's when you had that one or two, and it's usually when new people came in and they wanted to hide pans or hide yeah, cloths containers and, and yeah, just containers yeah, yeah, just going yeah, yeah, yeah. and like, you know, I'd stitch you up. Like, I've got so many fun stories from Vudemont, like no, some I'm, daft stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like just messing around like this. <laughs> you're, the, you're the former ambassador of Victoria Farmer's Market, weren't you? Yeah. So, how, like, A, what does that involve? What do, you have, what, what do you have to do as an ambassador and how did you get involved in that? So, this was that point of. So after after Vudemond, I went and opened up uh, a restaurant for a I was a dodgy Greek restaurateur um, for eighteen months, and it uh, uh, I was young, so I was cooking like I'd, I'd left Vudemond. I didn't want to cook any of the Vudemond food because yeah. you know there's certain dishes. So I was trying to find myself. Anyway, that all ended up bad. And I left, and Andrew McConnell offered me a sous chef position at Circa. And I loved Andrew's food. Love Andrew. I think he's probably the, the icon of Australian food as a as a, in that male world. You know, 
of, of chefs. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't mean this, but for I me, he's it. iconic. Yeah, 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 for sure. Anyway, so he offered me the job, and then, you know, he, he left, and he made me and Moyley joint head chefs. And then after six months, Moyley, John Van Handel bought uh, the Byron Bay Hotel, and Moyley went up there. So I was the head chef on my own. Like, I, it was this, this was like 2007, you know, the turnover about eight, nine million dollars of yeah. food and beverage, and I was in, all of a sudden I'm the head chef of it. You know, 110 covers, we had two hats, and like, I just felt completely lost. I really did, I was like... Out of your depth, you mean? Is yeah, that? not just that, I was like, I didn't know what I was cooking. Like, I think anybody, when they become the first head chef, or, or might understand... You kind of know what you're doing, but you're then trying to find who you are as a chef. Yeah, and what yeah, is your yeah. food? Yeah, I get it. Right, and because you just pull it, you're pulling experiences from where you've worked. Yeah, so you can. You, yeah. It's not really yours. Yours, you, and yeah, yeah. And you, I reckon you can tell that on a menu when it's, it's, it can be exciting, but it's like somebody else's food. Or if they're trying to be something else, it's not quite polished. Yeah. But my thing was going. I'm not that good at plating dishes. Yeah, entrees are all good, but I've never. I've got no love for main courses. I love that sharing element. Yeah. But I also started to question a lot of things, and um, so it was this, this period of 07 to 09, um, about 08, I was like, I, I was really lost, and I, I started this thing, I didn't understand why trucks were coming down with meat from Sydney, and why we're all buying meat from Sydney, and there's no connection, I don't know any of the farmers, and so I started to just go to the farmers markets, uh, and met those guys there, they're not for profit, and... Along the way, that's I decided to, and it was really the 2009 when Circuit got redone, uh, where I was very fortunate enough, and I kind of think that made me who I am now, and it gave me that leg kick up in my career, that I became about the guy that's about local. Yeah. And there was no better way to than to go to the farmer's market, speak direct to the farmer to get that connection, um, but also see what's actually truly in season. And they asked me to be an ambassador. It wasn't a paid role or anything. They were a not-for-profit. Yeah. Um, I just did things to promote... You know, just recipes, talked about it. Talked about it. Yeah. And because I was there all the time, you know, kind of like what you said with giving you a, you know, a leg up. A leg up. Yeah. It was like that. You know, I've made a lot of friends. Oh, so that way. people that would be coming to the farmer's market, you could then put them in touch with different chefs and that. that yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that people yeah. really cared. So, you know, go and check out, get him a, a, an in at a back door, go and put your yeah. lamb in there or go and put your beet. Well, I think it says we got married two and a bit years ago and there was 120 people there. And 40 of them were farmers. Yeah. I think that speaks a lot for like how my thought process of is in it. Yeah. Um, so I was, that was really proud of that. And um, It's yeah, great, it, the farmer's market, isn't it? Yeah, oh. well, it's also it's about community. So finding community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when, you, when you're struggling as a chef, you, you need all sorts of inspiration. You know, whether it's cookbooks, mates being able to talk, Eating now pod, podcasts, yeah, podcasts now, yeah, yeah. reading, you know, like, um, or just talking to farmers and I get really inspired by farmers mm. like one of my closest friends are now the the Snaith family which is um Warialda Belter Galloway yeah 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 and the you life looked after their farm didn't you look yeah so it was this was during the time when we I'd got Jack Horner and the stress the things weren't going quite well and there was Pope Joan and things were rocky with mine and my business partner's relationship and I I also wanted to I believe you know this whole paddock to plate and everyone talks about real farmers and bits and pieces. And I thought I knew the plate really quite well. I think I knew how the two plate worked really well. I knew fucking nothing about the paddock. Yeah. I knew about home gardening and how vegetables grow and bits and pieces. But there's there's a part of me in my, when 
around 50, I want to move out to the countryside. When my kids are grown up, I want to live land. Oh, do you? you yeah. Want, yeah. Like self-sustained almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. I was like, well... And I wanted to know whether my... You know, sometimes you go through second careers. Is going into farming a good option? No, because chefs work hard, but farmers work fucking way hard. And they've got yeah. so many other things to worry about. So I, I went to Alan. The elements for Elements. One. Alan, Alan and Lizette were going... So they've, they've got Belter Galloways. Yeah, and yeah, every yeah. two years there's the... Uh, Galloway, Belted Galloway, and Galloway con- World Congresses. Belted Galloway is a is a, so it's, a it's a breed. It's isn't a it? it's a breed. So it's a it was a rare breed. It's classed as a heritage the breed heritage, of yeah. cattle. Yeah. Um, bred for meat. It's originally a Galloway crossed with uh, a Dutch dairy cow. Mm. Therefore, the white band because that's the prominent gene on any cow. Yeah. Okay. So when you see the white faces, yeah. that's a Hereford crossed Angus. The white face is the prominent gene. Oh, okay. A bit like like ginger hair. That's yeah, a prominent yeah. gene. Yeah. Um. So I wanted to learn. I had this opportunity. They were going. They were going to this congress, and they were away for six weeks. And I went, um, you know what? I'll look after the farm. What do you mean? I was like, I'll look after the farm. We were away for six weeks. I'll look after the farm. I'll do all the farmers markets. I'll do all the, you know, uh, butchers runs. Um, if you organise the transport of the, because I can't drive a lorry, but if you organise the transport of the cattle. I'll make sure it's all right. I'll make slaughtered sure slaughtered and that you mean is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah slaughtering. Yeah. Yeah. I'll make sure they're all fed. All these st- stories. Um, all these to learn about it. So I did well. Alan and I came up with this farmer's apprenticeship for me, and I did one day a week for just short of like about nine months. Um, every Monday, and I drive up. I usually drive up Monday. I'd stay Monday night. I'll drive up late Sunday after the kids have gone to bed. Stay Sunday night get up early hours Monday and do it. And I loved it. Yeah. Learn about fencing, which is a shit job. <laughs> but so, and what I realized is that, you know, that little bit of knowledge is always dangerous. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I realized I didn't want to be a farmer. <laughs> yeah. But I might like to have cattle at the end, uh, you know, when I do get, no, I get some it. property. Yeah. And it was just fascinating to see it. And I really do believe I learned about, you know, animal management, feed management, pastures, um, the true transportation, you know, the killing of a cattle and what actually goes on. And it is a real interest of mine and a real love. Um, so that, that that was that. And it so was... It's, you know, the reality is you have these animals that you really... You ca- these guys care for these animals like nothing. You know, like yeah. they get up, they feed them, they make sure they get the best. The, the, you know, all them kind of things. But then at the end of it, they put them, you know, the slaughter them. You well, know, this is, this it, is the one thing. With the pie shot... I'll, I'll, I don't know whether Alan will be... Uh, well, there'll be Will because it's... So when I looked after the, the farm, right, and yeah. he said a couple of things, like the, the solid solidarity of being a farmer, you know, that's why I see the, why they had that such a connection with the dog and that's why, you know, it takes certain people to be able to do it. Like, I... Some of the cows got out, right? And they... Where Alan had these cows, next paddock, so he had these belted galloways, which is, if you're listening, it's like it's a, it's a black cow with a white band around the middle of its belly. Yeah. Belted Galloway. They look a bit like an Oreo. Yeah. They call them Oreo cows. Next door, they had the white faces, which is the Hereford Cross Angus, Black Angus. So the black with a white face. Now, five of these bloody cows had got into this field. And I've looked, and they're all uh, ruminating. So that's when they eat, and they're going through digestion when they spew it back up. Oh yeah, and they re-eat yeah, it, yeah, and it goes yeah, into yeah. their second stomach. Second stomachs, yeah, yeah. I remember so they're all that down, school, yeah. and they, what they do is they lick their bellies to get the salt off to help the um, digestion. So I looked in this field. I'm going. It's not five. 
it's all of them because they had their heads tucked into their bellies. And so the white, the white yeah. head was like looked like where that stripe was. And I looked in this field going, fucking fuck, 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 they're everywhere. <laughs> the <laughs> mushrooms, didn't, the, the mushrooms, mushrooms didn't help, like, did they? <laughs> <laughs> Farming, away like, from the family, you know. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> might have had a little join. <laughs> yeah. like, but what I found myself in the end, I ended up talking to the cows. And this, this one plantation, there was this uh, D17 What's um, that? Is that an, is that's on the, the ear? The, on the ear, ear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where Alan can go into what year it was and out of the breed of it yeah. without having to scan it. Yeah. So D17, she was a beautiful head. And like, I posted about her on Instagram. I fell in love with her. And I had lunch with her every day. And out of, what I learned out of it, steers are really easy to move. So if like, a steer is a castrated male yeah. cow. So it's no longer a, when it's a bullock, castrate it, it becomes a steer. And that's predominantly... The, the beef that we're eating um, for plate beef. Um, you know, like your sirloins, that's what everyone's trying to get to. Um, cows, before the hef- they're heifers before, so they're young until they have their first, first baby. Isn't baby. It? Yeah. Uh, so it's roughly around two years, 18 months, two years. Then it becomes a cow. Anyway, cows are actual cows. Like the right cows, like in the <laughs> paddocks, they're hard to deal with. But this D17 was really nice to me. And she like kind of led everyone around and like oh, bored them a little bit. Helped you out and helped that. it out. I had this one which, you know, if you could batter it, I would yeah, have battered yeah. it. It was a right mole. She kept sidekicking me and like there's this one calf. Well, so anyway, so decent was really nice. But I, so every day, I went and had lunch with her. I talked to her. We'd start singing and she'd follow me around. We'd start singing and I realised I stopped. Did you feel like you had a proper connection? Yeah, like did you? Like, honestly, like proper connection. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Full on, like she loves me. I love her. Yeah, like, like your dog or whatever. Like what's taking over the dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, dog, you're out. <laughs> you're, like the, you're like the second... <laughs> you're, like the, you're like the first child after the second child comes along. You're out. <laughs> right. I have to open the patio doors to get the cow in. Yeah, it was like, Charlie, get out of bed. <laughs> D17, we're going to call a dot. And she smelled better. <laughs> Sorry, don't mean that. But anyway, so uh, I had this connection with her. And um, yeah, so I went and had lunch with her every day. But I realised that like, I'm in this... like. 48 hectare, 4,800 uh, 4, hectare property. And I'm walking around with cows, fixing fences. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm seeing like Barnsley football hooligan songs. Like top of my lung, we're Barnsley, we're Barnsley. <laughs> and I'm singing, dancing around, going around. And I'm like, stop. I'm going, it's complete silence. There's just, you know, crows and uh, branches and wind and all these things. And you go, whoa. <laughs> and so it was a really amazing experience. It was a real... I Something happened to you far out. You it was really, I mean? actually really quite spiritual. And I'm not that kind no, of person. No, I get it. it. Was, I totally I get found it. something that was like, I found what I didn't want to do and I realised I, I learned about the paddock yeah. and a newfound respect for what people do do in the land. But also just for myself, it was really healthy. Like there's this one little cow, like a lentil. It's a, a young young bull. And I put this, <laughs> like, uh, things happened to me. Like I got, I got the tractor bogged and I <laughs> nearly I flipped the ute and did you really? Yeah, I did certain things that were like you know you just, Alan was that you know about him now anyway. <laughs> so it's like flip things happen. And it was all right, but I flipped it anyway. So late at night, I forgot to bring in the oh sorry, I'd let lentil in to the house block and it started and Tom the son like there's shit everywhere and he's he's you know he's a worker and he he did a bit of the farm but he. The, he was like, Matt, shit everywhere, and it's eating mum's plants. And I'm like, oh, God. So late at night, I took it down, and I had to open up the electric fence. 
Anyway, as I'm, I've, I've, <laughs> I've gone the opposite side, put the electric fence back, and then I've realised I've got to get back into it. <laughs> I've got, and and I've done torn. it the wrong way. No, I've done it the wrong way. So I've like I've like closed the gate, but I've kind of like closed the gate on the. I've locked myself out. So I had to. It was three wires that you undo, and they've got these plastic handles. Anyway, so I've gone back round to undo it, and Lentil's come up behind me and nudged me, <laughs> and I've hit my head <laughs> on the on the positive, which is the top and the bottom ones, and the uh, uh, neutrals, the middle one, and I've just gone. <laughs> And it's like one o'clock in the morning. I've shot myself back. It's about 7.6 megavolts. I've gone straight through me. <laughs> and I'm sat down on my ass and you know that metallic taste that you get in your yeah, teeth yeah, when you get yeah. electric shock. And I'm like just going, am I all right? You <laughs> 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 a bit of a, <laughs> And I'm like, seriously? seriously? And I looked around and this cow's looking at me and I'm like, I'm going to bash you. Anyway, so I've had to quickly undo it, redo it from the other side and I've gone back inside. I'm like, like actually shaking yeah, from jittery the as. Yeah, yeah. And I, uh, I slept really well that night. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you, I bet you fucking did. It sounds like an unbelievable experience. Yeah, it was like it's. Yeah, I, I t- we talk like I'm going up this weekend. They're doing Noki Festival, and um, they've they've become more than friends. It's like almost like between friends and family type yeah. thing, but. Well, their beef is the first beef. I had the, the anus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I got that the from The Pope's him. eye. Yeah, the Pope's yeah, eye. Yeah, yeah, I got yeah. that from him. I was at the market and he was like chatting. What's the guy called? Sorry. Alan. Alan. Alan yeah. So I was chatting to him and and um, he said, oh, I've got some bit bit different stuff that people don't know. And I'm, yeah. yeah. And I was put, it was really good. Honestly, it was really, I really enjoyed it. Well, his thing is like, he's, it's such a unique business and such a hard way to do it, but they. Watching them, how happy they are, and just how good a quality product they put out. Yeah. So they they farm, they transport. He goes into the kills. He's part of the butcher shop. Even though it's a different butchers, but he has, he goes in there and butchers himself and does gets on the boning room himself as well and yeah. specialist steaks. Then they market it themselves, but also they take it to farmers markets and sell it. You can meet them, can't you? Yeah, yeah. 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 And that's what so the, with the pie shop, the 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 pie shop came about because of the Allen. So the Allen is the beef and veg pie that's on yeah yeah and that beef is all old cow of yeah, a way of yeah. doing a resource and the old cow is really amazing meat and this is for another story you, no, should, actually, you should actually get alan on yeah and yeah I'll, t- I'll tell him about the old, how the old cows come around but the he um he does like everything through so the, the so the so the, the alan beef pies they they were selling them anyway and we just tinkered around and made them better and i was like well let's so that, let's do a pie shop. Let's do it, yeah, and yeah, yeah. So that's how that the pie shop came from. And they also do, which we'll get into, they also do, you can buy the the high, is it the high? The hides, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can yeah, buy yeah, the yeah. hides. I've had my eye on them a few times. Well, they're, 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 you know, they're, they're exy, but they're so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And and that's another fascinating thing, like being on, on the land with him, is going, you know, hides, you think you can get them all year round. But then you th- you can, they're, they're the best in either summer, so there's a summer coat or the winter coat. Oh, so you okay. think about it, it's like, you know, yeah, light, think, light or heavy, or light or heavy. Well, yeah, you yeah, go. Yeah. Well, for me, it was like you know, you can just get pelts all year round, like the the, the skin. And I'm like, and then I think about it. You go, you got a dog that sheds and yeah. doesn't shed through, you know, hot and cold hot and seasons. Cold. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, of course. So yeah. he does that all himself. He salts them all down and then takes them to the tannery. And the tannery was an amazing thing to go and see. It was just like, yeah, it's yeah, a lot going on there. Yeah. But look, after all that, you've just recently shut one of your businesses. Yep. Pope John. Yep. So the the big baby's yeah, now flagship, done. Flagship, flagship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, sad times. No, I, I think so. We opened that in two thousand and ten, and I was 
I did three months of still working at Circa and uh, owning and starting up Pope. Yeah. So I did like a three months straight. Um, um, it was time. It was a good timing. Uh, I think I went out on a positive, uh, and it's a good time to stop and reflect. Yeah. Um, and the the only sad thing is, obviously, there's, there's a, it was a great community, and I never realised, and it was nice finishing it and finding out how, so many beautiful stories from people and what Pope Joe made. You know, people probably meant met to them. there. Well, it's like yeah, you know, but you know, anniversaries. My wife was uh, like, I'm not don't sound like negative, but it was like at the end, it was like people coming up going, "Oh, you don't know how I feel. Pope Jones closing. It's this, this, and this." And I'm like, I think I fucking feel love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this one guy says, "You can't close. You can't close. You've got to open somewhere else." I was like, maybe I just want to break. No, you've got to open here now. This is you can move right in right now. And it's like just people like really were quite full, yeah, and everyone yeah. had an experience, and that was beautiful. But the, the sad thing was, I had an amazing team. I had, I had three, and you know, it's like running a team and then yeah. owning your own business as well. When you get key people in, you can really go places. Well, it's, that's what drives it, isn't it? Without yeah. them, you're screwed. And I had three real key people. One in the office and did all events and you know, PA'd me and helped me drive things. I had a front-of-house guy that had gone as a front-of-house manager and just was excited about... He'd only been three years. He was my kitchen hand at Jack Horner and I ended up making him the front-of-house manager. Mm-hmm. And he just he just got what I got, what I stood for, you know, having a laugh but giving quality service and not in the fine dining world we weren't in that climate but what we did is in our world we did really well and our night things we did really well fun you've got to put fun a capital fun Mm. on it oh there's no point doing any of it Um, and then Jakey my head chef he was just super talented and we were I really would have loved to be able to had the energy to go right. I'm going to open Pope John but it's going to be in this new phase and this is what it is with these people but I Stood back and discussed it and said, you know, I'm just going to take six months and chill and make the right decisions for me personally and for the family and for what I want to do next. You know, I've got so many f- bloody ideas, yeah. but it was it was a great way to go out and an amazing eight years. But it's it's getting turned into apartments, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's yeah. not you know, it's not like and I've still got I've, I've still got so I've still got the. The lease, a different landlord on the next door, so where the pie shop is. Oh, I've, was I've it? Got, yeah, I've got under the roller door, so the pie shop's still gonna be there at seventy-five Nicholson Street, selling savoury and sweet pies. Savoury and sweet pies, um, and then at the moment I've got everything that was at Pope Jones stored in the roll under the roller door, and there's part of me. Do you like the name Pecker? Pecker, <laughs> Pecker, chopper. Is, that is it like Pecker, like a little? <laughs> They like, me cock. Yeah, but like, or bird pecking. Yeah. <laughs> like, anyway, I like the name Pecker. <laughs> I'll show you the brand. It's like kind of cool. Yeah. Anyway, so there's, there's always a part of me wanted to open a, like a little bar with some food. And not like a wine bar, not like what's going on. You know, there's, there's plenty of going on at the moment, but like a few little bits and pieces and just fun. You remember St. Oh, you wouldn't have been around, but St. Jerome's was in the city. No. It was like, it was just a fun place to be. Well, um, I know you, you're working now at Gerald. At Gerald's, at Gerald's, yeah, one one night a week. Talk yeah. about a bar. Yeah, well, that's brilliant. When yeah. I first come to Melbourne, fuck, Beck will tell you, we used to walk in there at like, you know, seven o'clock or something and walk yeah. out at 11, like, yeah. broke but and absolutely mortal. Mortal. Honestly, yeah, it's, uh, like, mortal so th- this has come from, I went in and I, you know, I wanted to keep my fingers in it and Gerald's a real old friend. Yeah, and I've gone there a lot, and the team. I think the food, what they're doing there, and the ser- what the, the service and they're offering is brilliant. Oh, I like it's not, it's not trying to be a restaurant, but the food is the, the chef P is like that old school element, and it's just fucking tasty. Yeah, 
and it's well priced. It's good portions. The booze is good. Booze and, is class. And it's it's great service. It's friendly. You know, it's, it's fun. Like, it's fun. And anyway, I was I was there. I'd, I'd been out and I was pissed. And I was sat down at the table with Gerald. And they're like, oh, sure. And I'm like, I'll do it. I'll do it one day a week. I'll, in fact, I want to do two days a week, but they don't want me on. Um, and since that, you know, I grew up in a pub, so I thought I'd do front of house. And I did that little bit of stint as a bar um, at Ridges before, you know, yeah. I went a bit crazy for yeah. three months. And I was like, I've never done front of house. And I'm loving it. Oh yeah, like I've done two shifts. I've got another one, and I've asked to do it all the way through till Christmas every Thursday night, and I love it. But it's also because there's, Is it there's sp- interaction. Pouring the drinks? Are you doing the whole? So I'm taking. So there's the there's a little section. So I'm basically the main runner. I've got food to do runner. food runner. Yeah, I've got my section, which is seven seven to eleven people. So it's a little bar section. So I've got to make all the cheese plates, do all the charcuterie, do the pickles, any of those things, all the polishing. Grabbing beers, taking them out, like yeah, just it's just part being of the team. part of the team, like yeah, like yeah. a junior waiter type thing. Yeah, and yeah. Ma- so Gerald and Mario are the owners, and yeah, yeah, you know that that old school foundation of like Melbourne um, institution. Yeah. Um, in, well, you know of what Melbourne ca- uh, f- um, restaurant scene is or food scene, not just restaurants, and it's so much fun. Oh. And at the end of the day, even like just talking about food and like with the first my first shift, they were like, um. It'll not be busy. It'll be gently. We got absolutely pumped. I think we did like 145 covers, and it was just so much fun. And you forget sometimes as a chef, like especially if you can talk to customers. And you know, I'm not shy of a few words. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck editing this. Is that um, he? uh, We can get to talk to him, and I know a little bit about wine. uh, But talking about the food, it's it's just easy. Fun, like, mate. Yeah, like if, you said. And I always go, if I was sat with you, I'd have this, 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 and this. I'd have a bottle of this, but I'd start on this and this and then this. And, you know, I'm, my, um, Gerald came up to me the other night. I was like, that was a great service. We did we did awesome because it was busy. Yeah, yeah. Um, But Mario, the other one, and he, he said something really, and it's, you know, you have those live things that are coming through. And he, he sat me down. He goes, Matt, I want to talk to you. Like, this is not me taking the piss because Mario takes the piss and is always joking. Because you see him, that's Gerald. So if it's all going to shit and things are going wrong, it's not your worry. It's his worry, and then 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 it's him and theirs worry. And then finally, if they all drop dead, you've got to figure it out yourself. <laughs> Just enjoy it and have fun. And you know how... Um, oh, what's the right word for like giving you back something of just going no worries type thing? That yeah, Australian yeah. no worries of just going, just enjoy yourself. Yeah. Because... Don't start worrying how long this yeah, is going to yeah. take. Don't worry it's how long your worry. this is going to take. Yeah, yeah. Because he's the owner and he's the manager and he's the assistant manager and he's the barman yeah, yeah. and he's the head chef and he's the sous mm. chef. When they ask you, you to take that come, from there, just do it. Just take and it. He's like, just, and you know what? It was just so refreshing. Refreshing, right? but also, like, I don't know how to explain it from it. It's like, just give him like, a bit of fun back. I'm not having to, for eight years, I'm to be the one that worries about every yeah. fucking thing. This one to come in and just enjoy serving and, hospi- and being hospitable and. Yeah. and Delivering a service to people, which I think sometimes that you said, that we said earlier about the hospitality, what it is. I think sometimes that's that's getting a bit lost nowadays. Yeah, you know, it's more like how pretty it can be. How and I, I don't knock this, and I love this as well. But nevertheless, I still it's an observation. It's more how good it can look on Instagram. How you know yeah. what I mean? It's not. There's no real hospitality in it. Do you know well, what I mean? Thing, it's like the, 
I, I think that, well, everything's about making money, but I think we get lost in a way about realizing about having a good time. Mm. And there's having a good time, and there's you know there's taking the piss, but it's about life is truly there fun. Yes, we need money, we need bits and pieces, but to do your best at your job, doesn't matter what fucking job you do, just be the best at it. You you could be, and that's right for that job role. Some people aren't fitted. If you're a miserable fucker, yeah. don't go into hospitality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, don't, exactly. I don't know what job to go into. Painting or something. Well, but, yeah. well not even that. Like, like if you're if 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 someone's going to paint in my house, right? Yeah, I guess. I want yeah. to be a nice guy. Yeah. I want to come in, show respect. And that's the thing: show respect, have fun, do a good job, go home, enjoy your life. Yeah, yeah. Like this, this element of arrogance and what we're owed, and um, you know, it's it's quite Melbourne. It's like it's like have a chat with yourself, just have fun and be friendly and enjoy. Enjoy yeah. it because, like, like at the end of the day, what you're going to do is like, oh, you can have. And it's not about a philosophy thing of money in the world. It's just, it's you're in the hospitality industry. If you are quiet and reserved and you feel a bit shy, maybe it's not for you. But deliver on that service and be and be nice. I like what you're saying though. Like, just be like, be the best version of you in it. That's yeah. what it is, isn't it? You know, you just um, have to be nice. Why well, had that mean? philosophy at Pope? Like, if anyone was directly rude or anything that was. You know, racism, sexism, anything that's, you know, anything. You have the power, and I will back you 100% if you explain it to me, to not serve them and ask them to leave. And if they're struggling with it, I'll I'll kick them out. Yeah. I've done it, I've done it like 13 times at Pope. It's oh, great. Yeah, yeah just supporting no, the staff, right? Yeah, there's no need for rudeness. There yeah. isn't in no. anything. Yeah, and you can, you know, there are stressful situations where you take it out on I get it, I get it. What was it, what was it round your way, going back to the pies? Was it like pies, pasties, slice? Growing up? Yeah, growing up. Yeah, it was a Greg's sausage Greg, rolls, yeah. a lot of sandwiches. Like my, one of my eggs. like this, this th- yeah, like greasy spooner, breakfast for dinner. Yeah, <laughs> do you know the, the Chinese takeaway shop next to the 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 um not the Crown and Cushion the the Star where one of the pubs my dad lived in. Yeah, Chinese takeaway next door. Yeah, Indian next door to that. Both of them didn't serve rice. You had to pre-order it. It was chips. <laughs> so. I can remember having beef and ginger stir fry with, with chip. chips. <laughs> Fuck, it was good, yeah. right? You have like, um, uh, what was it? Lambuna with chips, <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, there was the kebab shop. That's a late night, but yeah. I guess I guess my I love my nan's cooking, and I love that classic Sunday roast. Oh. You know, so you had your whatever the meat was, never fish. That was always fish and chip shop Friday, yeah. but traditional meats so are chicken. Stuffing, pork, applesauce, beef, pickled onions and horseradish, um, lamb, mint sauce. Yeah, yeah. And then always double starch, so always two types of potatoes. Yeah, mash or, or roasties. Mash, but or cheesy mash if you were <laughs> if we were feeling lush. Yeah. <laughs> and then there'd always be a, have to be a green, so that'd be cabbage, broccoli or Brussels sprouts. Yeah. Sometimes a little bit of cheeky swede put in with the mashed carrots oh, if we were having I, mashed potatoes. I love that. Yeah. Loads of white pepper. My granddad pepper, used to yeah. love white pepper in that. So you see, yeah. And proper gravy. Yeah, and then yeah. like, so then that was always, that, so that was always like that ritual of going to my grandparents, which mm-hmm. is something I'm working on now. Of like, as a try, Now I've got a family going, um, now I've finished Pope, um, Super Sunday, so in the I'm working on it, but like a soup or salad Sundays is where the where you get bread, make a salad or soup, 
invite friends, you go for a walk, and then you come back and eat the soup together as, a, as family or, and friends. That's nice. Yeah, because it was something I really loved about growing up, and I, it was that connection. You know, you, you can go around to people's houses and do stuff, and you have dinner parties, but like one thing that is easy for people to do, it's easy to make a soup. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that was my that childhood thing. Like, and you know, like England's really good for like. Packets of crisps and stuff. Oh, oh, fuck, I can destroy crisps. Pickled onion and monster munch. <laughs> I can destroy oh, Lovely. Like, <laughs> s- anything that smells <laughs> like the end of your toes has <laughs> got to be good for you. <laughs> like, there's all uh, sorts. The, the, uh, the crinkle cut ones, I love. Yeah, at the pub. Yeah. You know, open, get half a dozen bags, just get them open. open. Oh. Well, there was things like that. I was like, oh, get plain crisps. And get the Tabasco and the Worcestershire sauce and cover it in it so it starts to go soggy <laughs> and eat yeah. it. Wor- but the, the things like, again, growing up in the pub, there was, you know, chicken Kiev. Fuck. Oh, fuck uh, chicken Kiev. And that's. Scampi and chips. Scampi. Oh, proper scampi. <laughs> yes. And with a, like that. And salad. Like, I, I, I. So when I do go home, I have a ritual. I'll go and get a. I wake up. Um, I'll go and get a greasy spooner. The, the black pudding? So on the grease, but there's always black pudding. Yeah. Mushrooms, the double tomato, the tin tomato, and the fresh <laughs> tomato. <laughs> tomato yeah. Fried bread, buttered white bread, your posh if you go brown. Bacon, chipoladas, sausages, baked beans. What else was on there? A bit of spinach. <laughs> spinach? A bit of spinach. Are you bit of green. It's new. Bit of, bit of green. Okay, no. Tell bit me of, not bother. Tell me <laughs> not bother. And then that uh, mug of tea that you just oh, keep filling up. Lush. Filling up. Far out of about three pound, yeah, three pound twenty. <laughs> you look at the races, have a bit of uh, pick your bets, go to the bookies, <laughs> put the races on, and then I'd go, go, and there's a butcher shop across the road. I always get some pork scratchings, <sighs> and then next door is the bakery, and they've got that soft Yorkshire bap, you know, the the, the yeah, bap, like yeah, the grated yeah. bap, the that leaves yeah, a little yeah. bit floury, and that's that's where how I designed all of the the Madre designed the the bread for me at Pope Joan based off of that, leaving a bit of flour, almost like. When you've got sugar left over from oh, a donut, donut and you have to yeah, move yeah, it yeah, off. Yeah, and so yeah. you, you, without it knowing, you, you're getting in with it. I you get know? it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a great observation, to be fair. Yeah. So fair. that's that's why, and I always loved a, a classic salad sandwich. No cheese. It had to have plenty of salad cream, pickly, and then I'd stuff in it the pork scratchings into Would the salad. Yeah. And then eat it, and then pub it open at 11. <laughs> <laughs> and straight in for a pint. And a bag of monster pickled onion monster. Got your, your, your fingers in plenty of pies, that's for <laughs> yeah. sure. You know, restaurants, cafes, books, consultancy, you know, all yeah. these kind of things. How like, A, how do you get to do all that stuff? Like literally, how do you get to do it? Like yeah. as in the opportunities. And and why do you have, why do you feel like you have to have so much going on? Going on, yeah. Well that that's where I'm at now, this taking these six months off to realise what I'm gonna do. I, it's just me. Like I get energized by other people's energy and yeah. doing stuff. Um, I do want I do want to take this six months to figure out what I'm going to do next and to slow down. But one thing's my biggest thing has been scared of being bored. Yeah. But it's if and I, I put real good structure in place for it. Even though I'm really busy and doing lots of stuff, the structure and I have downtimes. So recently with the kids, I take all of January off. And that's you know that's only being a business owner that you can do that. Well, these things are about life experiences, and that's how I look at them. Going, right, if I can take eight weeks off a year, right, but I work fucking like real hard for the rest of it, it's great. I I have a habit of not really good at saying no, and 
loving doing fun events and thinking about fun events. And, and how do you get them? Do you have an agent? Or do well, so I've got a manager. So Fran's my personal manager, and she's she's also my business partner in the pie shop. She's um, um, so she's in charge of marketing and PR and brand, uh, and I'm in charge of development and strategy. Well, strategy we strategy together, but brand and um, looking well, look and feel of the pie, obviously the yeah. cooking side of it. But sh- things just come through. I, I when when I was at Circa, I set up a, a company called Will Consult, and that was with me and a friend. He was Jeff Salt. I was Wilkinson. Was Will, Will Consult? Yeah, it, it was like perfect. perfectly. Like, Will so, Consult. Yeah, and, yeah, I get it. Um, I was meant to. What open a great name! I was meant to open up a business with him called Hen and Cock, which was going to be like a a bar, kind of like I was going to do like English style. Yeah, cock, meat right, going, cock. Yeah, like, like, yeah, yeah, and English style stuff, a bit like Fergus Henderson stuff. Yeah, yeah, because that's what I liked sharing English style stuff. And I guess there's a bit of that in my food. Anyway. So I, I I I got my friends I got my friends in to do the new circuit website. They then did Mr. Wilkinson's favorite vegetables, my first book. Then I got them to do the Wilkinsole. So they kind of like set what my brand is like and the look okay. and feel. Yeah, yeah. So then Wilkinsole, we closed that up and I just started oh, so I'll just do Mr. Wilkinson's. And then you know you do the odd thing and people ask you to do it. I a lot of luck and my personality I think gets me stuff. Def- yeah, yeah. Like being able to talk have a bit helps. of banter yeah have a bit, have of, a bit banter. of banter yeah um, I'm not, I don't think I know what I stand for in cooking and I love cooking And but it's a real simplicity of food that so the whole restaurant world I've just it's been amazing not to be in it and being from a side of Pope Joan yeah. the stresses and the self stresses that you think you have to go through in that restaurant world like, like the circus I was really glad to be out of it and I think I've been fortunate in that way where I've carved like Matt Wilkinson's food. So if you see a salad, it's like, yeah, that's kind of like what Matt would do. Yeah. Um, and then I, I think it's just look, one, you get one, it gets the next one. And if you've got a good idea, it's also, in, and I think I said this to you as well, and, like, and I say it to anybody that's good, but you've got to have really big balls to go into business and to do something, to go to that. A lot, there's, there's, all the, there's a lot of people that are dreamers and they'll say things and, oh, I could have done this, I could have done that. And I, I can name you a lot of people, but you, you're just gunners. Like you're lovely people, don't get me wrong, and some of my best mates at least. Like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that but, either. But 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 why live in regret, or why live in the gunner? Just give it a go. Yeah. Like yeah. at the end of the day, seems easy when you've got that mentality, though, doesn't it? It is. But the, the easiest thing is going. Business is easy. How much money are you prepared to fucking lose? Yeah. All right. And if it's ten dollars, well, you've got to find a business that's going to cost you ten dollars. If it's a hundred thousand dollars, you're gonna find a business of hundred thousand dollars. You've just then got to structure your business not to lose that. But you've got that's the thing that you've got to ask yourself. You've got to have balls to do it, to get out of that freedom. Now I don't have as big a balls as I do than when I did eight years ago. Because now I've got kids. kids exactly. I've got things that have I've got barriers around me. Not really, the mental barriers. Yeah. Like, you know, if everything failed and we went on the street, I'm pretty sure you'd give me some yeah. Of food. Sure. You get you get way God. through. We've, we've we've created all these things around us that are comfort things. You know, the fi- a good house that we live in. We, we don't own the house. We, a, you know, we rent it. So, but we need X amount of money to live. Yeah, yeah. Well, you could live a little less. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> and sure. And still be as happy. So it's that it's that ball to get out of your comfort zone. Of, I'm getting paid my seventy hundred thousand a year. I've got my set four weeks holiday. I can I can switch off at the end of the night. Like when you're in a business. Which I think creates more opportunity. They don't happen. You don't have that that luxury of that comfort. 
So you need the balls, but you also, and I think fundamentally, is if you do not think you're going to lose money in business, you're crazy. And it's just a measure of how much you're prepared to lose. It's all measured risks, isn't it? You've yeah. got to take measured risks, and you've just got to. And it is that that's that that that. You, it might not be losing the business, might not be losing money, but you're going to take a massive pay cut. Pay cut, and yeah. also, but just also the, the the extra work that you'll have to do, but also risk of failure. People worry so much about risk of failure. Do you think that's what people are thinking, laughing at them? They feel like people are going to laugh at them. Or well, I, I don't know. I, I've done a lot of like self help um, podcast listening and yeah. and and. Um, reading of books for this, of going, it's all in your own head, yeah. and uh, and this is like it's it's far worse in your head than it is in edi- what everybody else sees, unless you've done something bad. Yeah, exactly. You like, can come all, you can overcome everything. Like I, we, I, we know we know where the industry is at the moment. There's some things like that. That's bad, and you're going to be known for that. You know, yeah, like yeah. Uh, there's certain footballers that are known for tampering, and you know the chicken wing from you know certain yeah, football yeah, players. Yeah. And but if you if you if you're good about it, like failure's not as long as you don't do anything bad or take anyone down when you do it, well, it's, failure is nothing. It's, it's measurable to anybody. It, but it's more measurable to yourself of risk. But, you know, you didn't, how hard was it? To, it's fucking hard to just go for it. Unbelievable. Yeah. Un- no, really, no, like you say, unbelievable. Like, I think, just going on that, how hard was it? it incredibly hard. There's no two ways about it. Incredibly hard. You yeah. know, it's stress. Yeah, the biggest one's financial, you know, f- you know, trying to make it work and, yeah. and, and add up and the rest of it. But I, I believe, I always go on about being dyslexic because I really try and promote it. But I, I honestly believe that helps. If you're not really like a achiever, I don't want to say too much of an achiever. Yeah. If you've won all the time, if you've gone into school all the time and achieved and been the top and, and everyone's looked up to you and that, that puts a weight on you that you don't, yeah. you're scared to fail. It's like me with my good looks. Like, exactly, yeah, like exactly. <laughs> but when you've gone into school and you... And you're not, you don't know what's going on. Yeah. You've always looked like a dickhead. Yeah. Because you've fucking like, you're like, you're walking around with your head like, like, what, what's going on here? I ain't got a clue. So therefore, you're used to not having a clue. Going into business nine times out of ten, you don't know what, to, what you're doing. Yeah. You haven't got a clue. So not having to overcome that, being dyslexic, I think having to overcome challenges more and more because, you know, coming into class, not knowing what's going on and trying to scramble and work out how it is. Oh, you yeah. just get used to feeling like you don't know what's going on. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the bell rings, you go home and it's always all it's right. It's always done. Yeah, it's always done. So like that kind of feeling, you're used to not knowing what's going on. Then you get comfortable with not knowing what's going on. So yeah. you can live in that environment. Then the other one is being looking silly and daft yeah. you know having to read in class or whatever or people not knowing them kind of things you used to looking silly anyway feeling comfortable in an uncomfortable situation so you know? what what like so say there's someone out there that's thinking about going to business what skill sets do you think you needed that would have now it's three years in business three years four, three, four, four years, four years, yeah, I think four years. what skill sets do you think you would have needed because th- this is one thing that comes up all the time and i think about it. so you know afl players mm. uh, i've got a good man that plays uh, for Richmond, and they're always talking about life after football, right? They've got a short period. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so yeah. chefs. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say front of house, because I'm going to say what I know about with, within. No, it's true, yeah. Chefs, they've got a short... You've got until 44, really. If you're still cooking at 44, on the pass, and you're not in a great... Well, what do you do? Well, where, where, what is the end? Your, this your, body, your body can't do it. So what skill sets is needed... To do, go to that next step, or to change industry, or to diverse in the industry, and that—that's where, you know, if government could do things, they're always on about, and this is what struggles me: getting more people into the employment. Well, fucking, 
why are we thinking about getting, you know, that should be, in, for me, it should be in course. But what about the people that are in there? What are they going to do for that next 20 years? And I, I guess because I'm coming into that no, stage of my life yeah, now. Yeah, well, we're both the same age. I totally get what you're saying. And, you know, it's something that I never really thought about, you know. Like, so if you haven't put yourself in a position, let's just say by the time you're 35, let's say you've got yeah. kids at 35. That's probably about the, yeah. the going age. At 30 to 35, I don't know. That, that's how old that was. So we'll just say around that age. If you haven't put yourself in a position at that age to be a head chef, to say, you know what, I've, I've, now I'm having a baby, I'm going to, you know, in a hotel or in a big yeah. restaurant and saying, look, I need four nights a week off. I can work and I can't work weekends. But you put yourself in that position. Do you know what I mean? If you yeah. haven't done that and you're coming to a bit more at the end of your career, like you say, the end of your career, career, like you say, 44. No one really ever said that to me, you know. No one ever said, you really need to put yourself, I just bobbled along and, and, it was enjoying well, it. Is that, is enjoying that, is that, the It's that lifestyle of hospitality, which is actually really unhealthy mentally. Yeah. But also, you're young and you're fun, fun, fun. You're happy to work, work, work. And, and then all of a sudden, life we hits had a you. Yeah, we had a baby. A, generally a baby, whether it's you know, planned like, or not planned. And then you've got... And then it's like, oh, then you might go into business. It's like, you've, you've got to... It, it's a hard one. And I, I really think there should be a real supportive network I definitely there. Agree. And I think it should be a conversation that should be started. Because it's not... It's not about the mental element of it. It's going, bodies can't do it. For sure. Shoulders, backs, backs but, feet. But also, there's also that stigma that chefs are uneducated people, which they are or they're not, but it's about skill sets. How can you, well, you set up a podcast about these are the skill sets that you need to, the tools. There's so, and this is the thing, we get so caught up in food, and I reckon that's that also stigma and it's like the failure element going if you try something different or you're not in the clicky crowd you're not doing the fine dining you're not doing and i thought that with pope joe when i went from i never wanted to own, i never want to be defined by a fucking cafe i got defined by a cafe and it was <laughs> quite successful for me yeah yeah for sure and mentally really good and rewarding and it's had its ups and downs but really rewarding but do i look back and go would i would i prefer two michelin stars or would have preferred to cafe, and I, I, th- I don't think you can compare the two, but you do get into that frame of going, "Have I made it? Have I not made it?" But everyone's thinking that. Yeah, the top yeah, are yeah. thinking that, and of it's just a roller. Co- it's like it's a roller coaster, but it's 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 starting of going. All right, well, how old do you start, need to start thinking about the next thing? Well, if, if we do really break that down, like you say, let's say you do, you have fo- you get to. F- 35, 40, you have a baby, you're like, okay, right, so what, what's the thing here? I want to be at home at night. That's generally what yeah. the, the first thing is, I want to be at home at night. And probably the weekend, but whatever, as long as you're home at night, we can get away with it. What, what, you, what you're going to have to do there is, your options are probably a cafe. That, you know, yep. That's your option, cafe or whatever. So you've, you've, you've dedicated your life to, to all your life effectively. You've missed your 20s, you've been working your ass off, and you get to this point. And luckily enough, in Australia, you do have the coffee, the cafe scene. You don't yeah. have that a lot of the world, but we'll just take about that. What my suggestion is, and I'm putting out there that I think chefs should start specialising in things. Like I, we, I, we have, we've specialised in terrines and pâtés and riettes and whatnot, and we're, we're focusing on that. I tr- truly believe more chefs should start focusing on what they love. Yeah. The, it might be a marinade, it might be rubs, it might be whatever. Set it up early. Try and try and envisage what envisage what you want to do. Setting up a business, do it before it's too you know before you do have the baby. Maybe just start and maybe try and get someone to make it, or you make it. Start doing farmers markets, yeah, and try and build up or work for someone like us who who offers. We offer Monday to Friday, 
we start at, you know, we start five thirty six and we finish at two three four. four. So it works yeah. out. It's Monday to Friday. So so I just think there's going to be more of that as well as the thing of the hours with the chefs. This is talking predominantly in Australia about the can't work as much. I believe kitchens are going to start taking more produce. Yeah. From not just butchers, farmers, and these kind of things, they're going to start taking more ready to go stuff. Yeah. You know, marinades, whatever it might be. So I think if if chefs specialize in pasta. I think that's the way it's going to go. I think that's that's the way I would I see it in the future. Friend, where is the life work fun balance? Because mm. you know you get a bit addicted to the industry as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Where where is that? And I guess it's just finding that what 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 will make you happy. But I do think there should be programs for giving skill sets, especially to say um, we've talked. Charlie, my wife runs um, or the co-founder of Fully Booked Women. Yeah, bet goes. And one of her main things is going well. And why she wanted to do that was to try and re-empower women in the industry, bring knowledge, uh, um, bring um, let, allow them to have a community sharing, but also bring recognition to women in the yeah, industry. Yeah, sure. And not just, you know, often in our industry we just go, oh, well, it's hospital food, food and wine is front of house servers, sommeliers, chefs. Well, there's so much more. There's marketers, there's growers, there's, you know. It's um, endless, isn't it? It's endless. It's, yeah. it's, we, we do get quite shallow in the restaurant industry about what we think our industry is. It's, it's, it's massive. But one of her things was what she found out when she had Finn, she was lucky she'd, she'd worked front of house. And then you should actually get her on because it's like, yeah, she's, yeah. her story is amazing. And then Set it up. gone into Melbourne Food and Wine Festival. And oh, she organized. Was she, she was the like the creative. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like creative. I can't remember creative director. Anyway, she yeah. she did the event side of it, bringing out and and writing the pr- pr- program director. Yeah. Um, so she brought out all you know the two thousand and nine, the two thousand and ten, the two thousand eleven, two thousand and twelve, um, Melbourne Food and Wine Festival, Jeez. and she took time off with when Finn was born in two thousand eleven. Went back to work for the festival, um, for that actual for two thousand eleven. And I, my mum came out, looked after Finn. Anyway, so she saw her afterwards of going. If you were a chef or in hospitality, and you didn't have um, skill sets other than being a chef, and you've got a baby, what, how do you get back into the workforce? Yeah, exactly. You know, is there is there job Especially roles? For women. Is there job roles for two and uh, between two and uh, well, between twelve and four? You know, there's these part time roles, and I think she she looked at it, and for her role was like, well. And this is through discussion. Well, what 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 do people need to to diversify in the industry that they love? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the same for all everybody in hospitality. But this is that next level of everybody, males, females, to go. All right. Well, what is life after hospitality? You know what? I've never. I've n- Apart we setting the business up and the rest of it, I've never actually really thought about it, but it's an absolutely fantastic discussion. Well, yeah, it's, well it's maybe absolutely. maybe it's someone from um, you know super super yeah, industry yeah. like um, Host Plus. Yeah, is it superannuation? Superannuation. Yeah. yeah. So is it them? Is it because it's not? We always rely so much on government, but it's got to be. Is there is there someone there with with money? Is it is it indus- big industries? Or, you know all these walled off pots and pans companies. You know is it is it Heinz that sponsor it and. About, you know, yeah, it, it, maybe courses, courses, courses online courses, yeah, dis- yeah, yeah. group discussions, like, um, and hospitality people are really bad at showing up, saying confirming, then showing up, yeah. which, which they have to get better at. But is there talks? 
is like the TED talk. Can there be yeah, yeah. TED talks for for hospitality of going well? What happens afterwards? Who who's going to be the driver of that? And you know, we all talk about sustainability. That we we don't come together enough in the hospitality of a broader spectrum to throw ideas up to help us in the long run. We're kind of a bit. Oh, yeah, I'm in the I'm in the scrum. I'm yeah, in, yeah, I'm in the yeah. trenches. I'll punch my way out type thing. And I think I think something like that would be really beneficial for all in the industry. I agree. I think that's a I think that's a fantastic topic. Let's get. I just really want to talk about your books. You've got three books out. Three books. So you 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 the Mr. Mr. Wilkinson's dressed Fe- salads. So the first one was, was Mr. Wilkinson's Veg- favorite vegetables. Favorite vegetables yeah. And so public uh, published by Murdoch Books, my first publisher. They were tireless of wanting to do a circuit cookbook, and I said no. And then they asked me what uh, what book would I want to do, and I said there's two: there's the history of the world of food, and I want you to fly me all around the world so I can figure out about you know spices. And um, it fascinated me that you know the tomato into uh, uh, Italy, and that the chili from South America to uh, India. Uh, in, India, Indonesia, yeah. and how yeah. it's got through, and and the, and and the, the, and the, the meat to Mexico, from yeah, the, yeah, and the yeah. crossover of all those things, and that history geography element of food really interesting to me. I was like, if someone can pay me to do this, great. Anyway, they said no to that one, and the other one was going, well, how I look at food, I look at how to cook seasonally, and for me, there is no better way than to look at what you're going to cook seasonally than the vegetables that are growing around you or the ones that can store. Um, and so vegetables and fruit. So I've got a real love for from my grand my granddad and my dad did it, and I love gardening. So I wrote Mr. Wilkinson's favorite vegetables. So I picked it's twenty nine of my favorite vegetables. Some I couldn't have, and that's a book I'd really love to revisit and kind of do a bit like Stephanie's Cook's Companion, a big thick version of all every veg and what to do with it, and not really get someone else to write about the planting. Or whether not to plant, just to buy it, and what yeah. to look for in freshness of what what you're doing, and the actual proper preparation of it, because there's, there's a few books out there that do it. So that's that's for the future. I'd like to do, and then, so that was the, how I look at food. Then Mr. Wilkinson simply dressed salads. So the front cover is based on my grandfather again, who was grower. He's um, used to grow his amazing vegetables, and um, he used to go to the Coronation Club, and we used to pick him up every Friday, and he'd always been a three-piece suit with a flower on his lapel and a pocket watch immaculately dressed. You know, he'd go and have a few pints and a couple of whiskeys, we'd pick him back up and drop him home and so that front covers that of him and vegetables and so that connection. But if I had to define myself as a chef, I said I do salads really well. Yeah. Um and I, I always wa- I always say I don't look like a salad eater, but yeah. I love them. Yeah, like it's it's also like and it really infuriates me about that. Everyone thinks lettuce yeah, leaves yeah, yeah. is the salad, salad there's yeah, so yeah. much more like yeah, yeah. there is not one lettuce leaf that's called a salad leaf there's a salad mix and it's 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 lolo rosso it's mescaline yeah. leaves and mescaline yeah, yeah. is not a fucking name for a lettuce leaf it's a family of different types of leaves yeah yeah you know so a lettuce yeah, yeah. is like iceberg lettuce right iceberg is a lettuce so you've got many different ways to do an iceberg lettuce like but a pumpkin and everyone goes, oh, that's a side. It's like, well, no, it's not. It's a, it's a hot salad. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like if you put it with lentils yeah. or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's and like pumpkin seeds and you know. roasted halloumi. Yeah, and, yeah. And th- anyway, so that was that, and trying to get that across, and also that with um, categories are seasonal. Like you don't eat hot soup in the middle of winter. 
You can eat salads throughout all year. So What's you your favourite salad, just as a, as a whole? Not building one. Mine's niswa. I love the niswa. Yeah. I, love, I love the niswa. So I, I did something really simple. It was just I, I pulled a, um, a green oak out of the garden, washed it, dried it a little bit, and um, just red wine vinegar and olive oil over the top, salt, um, and then a shit ton of parmesan over the top of it. And it's got that crisp to it. Uh, that's that's a little straight lettuce, but one of my favorite is um, I just posted there on Instagram. It's like roasted sweet potato, avocado, um, like lamb's tongue lettuce yeah. or rocket, yeah. and walnuts. So delicious! Yeah. It's like texture. When you when you get a combination, you know, like the beetroot, walnut, and goat's cheese. Yeah, classic, classic. You know, you, you know uh, but uh, the brown rice salad that I have with the hot and sour dressing that was in book. Or was in the salads book. I've had and I do it all the time. Yeah. It's so delicious. It's a fucking meal. Like you don't need to add yeah, anything yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's got dry fruit. It's got the you know the um, Turkish hot peppers or the Italian hot peppers yeah. as a dressing. It's got shallots in it. It's capers, um, vinegar, oil. It's got everything that your mouth salty, sweet, dried yeah, exactly, fruit. Exactly, exactly. And it's brown rice that no one uses really. And brown rice is like a good brown rice, like organic or we use the. Dimeter BD from um, Growers McConnell Farms or the Slater Farms from New South Wales. I've never had that. Is it good? So tasty. Like you boil like this simple. And this is how simple food should be. A tasty egg, good soy sauce, good rice wine vinegar, boiled brown rice. You strain it off. As you, so you, you, you rinse your rice. You boil it for 22 minutes until it's just tender. Strain it off while it's warm and all the water's gone. You add some soy sauce, some rice vinegar, mix it up, fry an egg, put it on top, have it in a bowl, and put some chili sauce on top. I like like this fermented like hot chili. It's fucking delicious. It's so simple, like so simple. You don't like, but it's it's keen. You could add some nice broccoli to it if you wanted to. There's elements you could push it further, but it's that simple. Like it's good brown rice, good egg, good soy, good vinegar. Don't need anything else. Um, and we eat that quite a lot. Um, so that that was the second book, and then so in in my head I've got there's five titles in the Mr. Wilkinson's range, and then book number three was I was I'll be honest I was sick of all these books that this is how we live our life, all these and I don't want to slag people off but bloggers that don't really know they're not in the food industry yeah. and they're they're new to it or they've been around and then all of a sudden they've got books with hundreds of recipes in them and. I don't have hundreds of recipes. It's hard to have hundreds of recipes. And I'm a professional cook and a home cook. And I wanted to put a book out there that I think my wife's an exceptional cook. And I think we've got real good recipes at home that are just simple everyday recipes for real people in real working lives that are busy. And, you know, there are elements of not 15-minute meals, not like it's about a book explaining, going, don't put to be too hard on yourself. There's, there's, There's... Tin of baked beans on toast, there's a place for it. Yeah, fuck right? right. My you dad does it once a week. Yeah, it's like, there's, for a, place sure. for um, a, there's, a, there's a place for a steak, but here's some tools of how we eat at home. You know, like a, a lovely, delicious tuna pasta, right? Yeah. It's not trying to be something we're not. We're really honest in it. And, and the book to me is, our, I think it's our best book. Is it? But it's not. If you came and had family dinner with us, you'd get book number three, Mr. and Mrs. Wilkinson's How It Is at Home. That's the one that you'd get. So if you had a camera on and like you know it is Truman what it Show, is. It's true. that's what it is. Yeah. There's not one made up in there, yeah. and we eat them. There's well, we use that so we don't have to go through. It, 
basically, Hardy Grant published two and three. They published three, so we didn't have to go looking, flicking through our our recipe book. Yeah, it's all yeah, now yeah. in one. We just grab Perfect. it. Perfect. And the boys, you know, the boys read it and they're like, uh, it was like on, we had sat, that on Friday. Sat, Saturday alone. Yeah. They're like, oh, they want pancakes. It's like 10, 10.30. They want pancakes. I was like, oh, what's in it? It's like, just get the book down, Dad. So I get the book and I'm like, tell me what's in it. He goes, I don't want the fat ones, Dad. I just want the thin ones. I want two. <laughs> I'm like, Finn, do you want any? Yeah, I'll have two, please. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, sit down. And Jay has it with Vegemite on it. And Finn has it with jam on it. And then one likes it cut into like a pizza. The other one likes it rolled and cut in half and put it on an angle. And then they try and ask for ice cream as well because sometimes when mum's away and it's 10.30 <laughs> in the morning, I'll give them ice cream. But that it's real life. The book, the, the vegetable book was where I was at. It was like 15 years of cooking. Salads is, if I was, if you were coming around to my house and, you know, we're having a, like a, I'm trying to show off in cooking, I'd probably do like three or four salads yeah, or a piece yeah. of fish and three salads. Yeah. Or if I was coming around to your house and you asked me to bring something, I'd bring one of those. Right. Or if you're coming to eat at Pope Joan, that would be what, and that's real. Like none of them, none of my recipes, any of my three books have been made up. And that was something also like, and I was there for every shoot and I prepared and had it and tested. And I'm really proud of them, all three. That's awesome. Like, like, like there's, yeah, there's a couple of mistakes in some of them, which is edits or it's translations or just mix, but they really are. Not one is made up. And that's, you wouldn't, believe, you wouldn't believe how many cookbooks are made up. <laughs> what, um, what advice would you give to people who were looking to start that, like a, a chef? Like we, we briefly touched on it there, but who, who is thinking about opening a restaurant? What, and I know you're saying the loss, you know, um, be prepared to lose money, be prepared, all them kind of things. But what, like, what, what, what would you say, like, look, this is going to be a hard time. So you really need to just keep focused. Get a business partner if, if you're not very good at managing money get a bit you know what 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 would you say to them people i think i think the easiest thing is going if you think you've got to back yourself not many people go like that and get used to when you are the boss and the only owner find find people that inspire you and speak to you like mentors i've been very fortunate i've got quite a few mentors in my life and you know i listen to them i engage what they say i filter it you have someone around that just goes, no, Jimmy, you're a dickhead. What are you doing that for? Have someone that can filter the shit that you go through and talking. Because, again, once you're in it, you you can't see past. You, there's no one thinks more about it than you. Um, have fun with it. Uh, like, how do you get a mentor? What and Yeah, basically, how do you get a mentor? Well, I, think, I think it's that one thing I've got. I think you've got to look around. So, the key things in businesses, I'd say, is... If you're, if you, you need someone that's going to filter stuff for you. So you, you need a strong relationship. So if you're in business partnership with somebody, you got to remember that that's like a road, and you've always got to be driving on the same side of the road with each other and next to each other, and the same road, or else complication happens. It's no different to having a, a partner or a wife. So you, that needs to be a strong bond. And when things have problems, you've got to be able to engage each other to try and get through them or break up the relationship. The other thing in business is you need a strong partner. If you don't have a partner, you need a family member that you can go to who you can filter stuff. But if you keep saying the same thing to them and you're not listening, you've, you've got to make those changes. So there, that that's that like mentorship. But it also, it's also, mentorship could be your five mates that you, you love and get pissed with or different people that are around you in your life. 
your friends of the family, you might have a godparent, you might have some cousins or so if you've got a business idea, for example, or you wanted to change your business, take them out for a couple of beers. Tell them what you think the idea tell them the idea and write down the responses. And don't get aggressive or feel bad about what their responses are. Because you test that's called market testing. Yeah, yeah. Right? And then you find those people along the way, like you know, whether it's someone who you worked for or someone a friend that you met in the pub or start to ask people questions mm. and when people start to give you sound advice or advice that you think yeah that's how it is try to interact with them a bit more yeah okay don't i'm taking this on as in myself because we yeah. don't we don't I, we, I don't have a mentor so like a, a good mentor friend of mine has recently just died he just died of cancer and he used to sit down and listen to me he, he was daryl the truffle guy i don't know if you've ever met him and he was phenomenal. He's like, just give me pieces of advice. My ex-business partner's in Spud Bar. Like, Aunt Morel, who was, they on Bounce, he gave me this bit of advice of going, um, stand, and it's quite, stand on the scaffolding of stability. Stability allows free thought, which allows creativeness and good decision-making. So what you're saying is, is get your business stable. That's what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, get yeah, your yeah. mind stable, get your yeah. business stable. So if you think, you, you know, you're, you're a bit out and wild, rein it back in, keep it steady and look. Um, you know, if you're making decisions when you're in the red on the future, you can't. Like there's there's lots of things. So you can only get those bits of advice from mentors. Now the mentor could be, um, there's a guy, Seth Godin. He's got a web, uh, a podcast, um, School of Life, something like that, no, School of Life's um, based here. There's many websites to get to and, and read. You've got, like, out of life, you only get what you put into. You've yeah. got to listen, like you were saying before, like, listen to podcasts, read, find information, and filter it yourself and try and find inspiration from others. And you'll find someone that's speaking to you. And mentor, I had about a handful, Alan Snaith, mentor. That's what, like, half the time in the cattle truck, we'd just be talking, talking, talking. And, you know, we'd have quite heated debates. No, nah, and you're like, but we both mentored each other, yeah. even though he's. 30 years older than me, yeah. you can you can find those people where you just have friendship. They don't have to be one of your closest friends. Um, it could be your dad's business partner. It could be your mum's business partner. It could be your mum. Yeah. Like my, my greatest thing, my mum, that's all she said to me. is going, Matthew, I just want you to know, I don't think I'll ever understand you or how hard you work or how crazy your brain is, but I just want you to know I love you. Oh, yeah. What fucking more do you need? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Obviously, thanks for that, Mum. I know I've got my love, yeah, yeah, but yeah. what about my crazy brain? Yeah, yeah. So, in that, it's fine. Like, if you f- that you can call me up anytime. Like, send an email going, "What do you think of this?" Well, there's this direction, this direction. It, I think for me, can I? So, yeah. you there. The thing for me now is, you say that is doing it. Do yeah. you know what I mean? I think I don't know if it's being English or just the way I am or whatever. I feel like not cheeky, but I feel like oh, I don't want to be a bird. No, like I don't. Well, it's wanna, not. But at the end of the day, do you like, know what I mean? People or, will give the advice or not the advice. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, for me, it's my own hurdle. Yeah. It's my own thing. I've got to get over. Like, if someone offers you that, just give me an email. If you think, I think, oh, I don't want. I don't know. I just feel a bit weird. I, it's me. Yeah. It's not. It's not. Well, you. the thing it's is, not you. It's me. There's a, you, know? there's, you, you just put out from your business about how do you feel? I don't know. What do you think about this? I want to get back to making terrains. Is that right? And w- w- should I use or making this terrain? I'm not too sure about foie gras. Yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah. You're you're using Instagram in the best way it could be for your business, is in or social media 
of asking the people how they feel. So you know you you you're you're you're, you're using them as a sounding board. A sounding board. It's a it's like you know, you Coca Cola play millions of dollars for that sort of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they could, yeah. you know, they pay for people's. That's what they want out of that because that's what they're gonna make their next product on. Well, I the thing is deep down. So this is this is the one bit of advice that I've always been given, and this is from my father. Is going. Think about it. What it is. What's the first initial thought? I can don't change. Yeah, I think you're right. It's think that right. instinct, yeah. and it's the instinct in cooking. And if you've got it, you've made a mistake. You've got to. It's learning the skill set how to fucking to fuck up to get something back right. You fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Whether it's you burnt something, get another pan on straight away. Straight away. Yeah. And you that, know it's gone. That's instinct. Of the, yeah. the ones that don't have it and they're not the best is the ones that go. I'll try and fix Sorry this yeah, instead yeah. of instantly going. It's wrong. Start again, yeah, yeah. and let's and own own mistakes because how the fuck are you going to learn from anything if you don't own a mistake yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's most people won't so in that in that trying to find that mentor you just need you, you've got to make the mistakes in business yeah. or in life to, to move forward yeah. so if you're not going to give it a go you're just a gunner and I, I actually don't like those people they fucking shit me right yeah. shit me like it shit me to tears because it's like and they get boring I was going to do this I'm not going to do this things but create create a um, a friendship circle around your people that you love and trust, you admire. You don't need to admire. You don't. They've got to have, like have different traits with them, so they understand you and can give you the best advice. Yeah. I've got one friend, Fab. He used to be one half of Hungry Gardener, um, Little Veggie Patches. Now the Hungry Gardener. We have discussions for hours and hours. we could talk for hours and hours. He's, you know, Calabrian, well, Australian Calabrian, bit whingy. I'm northern, bit whingy. It's a great, it's a great, and you know, we love a <laughs> bit of a slag fest. Yeah, you know? I know. I, yeah and that's I mean. all right. It's like get it off your chest. I guess. Then, I guess get, sorry, go on, go on. It's finding those circles and being and being okay in it. I think, yeah, you know Brian Burrell. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brian. So I guess he he probably doesn't think he's probably like, what you're talking about. You fucking idiot. I don't, yeah. you know. But probably over the time, he always delivers our truffle. Nine times ten, he always. Delivers it. Friendly does it now and again, but nine times out of ten, Brian. And probably over the t- over the over the four years, he's probably we probably chatted for like four hours over that. I think. Well, Brian's not trying to sell you anything. He'll no. probably give you advice as Simon comes in. He's trying to sell you yeah, something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he has he's give us he has give us heaps of advice. I guess yeah. for I guess a little bit he is a mentor. Yeah, I guess he so is. You've got them. He's like so Andrew Gray, raw materials, um, mentor. I can talk to him about food and it's this love. It's about. You know, the, a creative element, and but then how it's business, and then like I, I've just been fortunate. I've got a lot of them around me. Yeah, it's good. Friends, same age, some a bit younger, younger mentors. Yeah, well, not not really mentor, but more sounding boards and yeah. advice. Like you, you know, you you got an idea. It's like like Jake, my past head chef. He's like we always knew when you were on because you'd say all these different things, and if you came back twice, we know that you're starting to figure it out on how you wanted it in your head. And if you came back third time, fuck, we had to do it. But there was also for me. I'm always there's always lots of ideas going on, and yeah, it's yeah. for me. I find it hard when you are that way, is um, pulling yourself back. Like from a business partner in, um, or well, my manager and business partner in Pie Shop. She's not on that. She's a great friend. She's a true friend. Yeah. She argues with me. She's like that. Like I don't know. Like like my that younger little sister. You know, you you really love. But you sometimes you just want like. A, Throw a glass of water over <laughs> or something, but she 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 said to me, she goes, look, first of all, define yourself, what you want to be and what you stand for, and that's your box. So, you, this is that method for foie gras. Any any business idea that you wanted to do or anything that you wanted to do, just have your box. What do you stand for? 
Um, and in marketing and all this, there's, there's, you know, people know this shit in marketing, but it's like going, for me, it's easy going, put yourself in that box and go crazy in that box. So I stand for local, in season, um, fun, um, empathy, trying to create a community of food. That's what yeah. I, I, Matt Wilkinson tries to stand for. Every time you think of something, does it fit all those? If it is, ticks, tick. Put it in the box with you. Have a little yeah, fucking yeah, disco yeah, in the box yeah. with it. Try your hardest to do it, but never step outside the box. As soon as you step outside the box, is where you you lose um, ethics. But, and if you want to do that, you've got to be prepared for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just know that you're doing it. Yeah. Um, and then when you set those standard goals, like I've got, I've got like notes around what I uh, I believe or not believe in, in in certain things. It's like, what am I? What do I want to achieve? Why am I wanting to achieve that? Um, what what's my one thing? If you said to Matt Wilkinson, "What do you stand for?" and I'd go, my, my one thing is trying to create a community of food. It's that simple. Yeah, nice. I would love to talk about mentors and that. And I'm not that keen on having them in a weird way. And it's me, like I say, it's my yeah. own personal thing. But I'm super keen on being one. That's really, yeah, that's bizarre. I know it's probably like what the fuck, whatever. But, but I, you are as a boss. Every, I, I love giving. It. I'm not that keen on fucking taking. As daft as that sounds, but all you need then is a whiteboard. Get yourself a big. You know, that, the one thing I can remember from school, or you know, when they did the bubble and it's like mm. the brainstorming thing. Yeah, yeah. Brainstorm yourself a whiteboard and whiteboard pens and a reversible one. So if there's any good information, you put it on the back, yeah. and then you take a photograph of it yeah, <laughs> with your yeah. phone, it's always going to be there to, for you to refer back to. Yeah. Print it off on a piece of paper or type it up or rewrite it somewhere and put it back up on the wall. And you're mentoring yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's Anyway, that's that's the mentor thing. But um, let me just... I wanted to ask you about... You did 12... Was it 12 Days of Christmas? Is that what, was, what was it? The In Meadowwood? Meadow, oh, it? yeah. Was it 12 Days of Christmas or yeah, was it 12, else? the 12 Days of Christmas. Uh, how was that? Oh, it was blow away. Yeah. Like, I, I was like, well, what? Which is, it's a restaurant in Napa Valley, yeah. California. So it's Restaurant Meadowwood. Meadowwood um, yeah. Chris Costo's the, it's three Michelin stars. Yeah. And in the lead up to Christmas, they do, um, before they close down and they close for a break, um, they do the 12 days of Christmas, which is about raising money for charity. So they invite chefs from all around the globe, from different walks of culinary, so it's not, always three mission star or the the hottest thing at the moment and when they I was flabbergasted when they asked me and like still even Nick my best friend he goes what the fuck did they ask you for <laughs> and it's like thanks Nick you're supposed to be my best friend fuck off <laughs> he's like yeah but it's amazing he's like whoa it's like it's, it's my biggest dream to do it I'm like well it's not my biggest dream <laughs> yeah it's, it was it, I was really amazed by it so book number one I wrote book number one and it was it sold a lot of copies did it it was really it went sold really well in the US. Beautiful. Like it won two awards in James Beard. So it was nominated and won award James Beard. And I got invited to do the, um, up in the Napa, the Culinary Institute of America. Yeah, yeah. And um, I presented um, as part of Australia. And I talked about my, I was at, then I was at Pope Joan, but I talked about my journey, about feeling lost going back to really nature and it's seasonal and how the carrot transformed my life because I love carrots yeah. <laughs> and one vegetable, like one thing, like, and I think it's that, anyway, it was about pointing and I was like super nervous and I get like so nervous before I do anything on stage or public I'm speaking with you. and I'm, I'm with you. up and I'm down with you. 
and Chris Costa was on after me, and we just got talking. We got calm. He was nervous. We got calmed, and we were having a beer and we were just talking good shit. And anyway, I finished my demo, and he came up like, "What were you cooking as well? Cooking and oh, talking, right? Yeah, yeah." Um, and you know, it's a big thing. Yeah, fucking. Anyway, I got a standing evasion. Did you? And he came on and gave me a high five and hugged me, and then I watched his, and then afterwards, he um, he's like, "I'll oh, come to the restaurant." That night, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And we went and had bar snacks and a few dishes and we had a Is few drinks. Is it beautiful? It looks oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, it looks unbelievable. Anyway, so I, I was the first invited Australian chef and I was mes- to do the 12 days of Christmas. Yeah. Ben Shuri had done it earlier that year. Not 12 days, but gone and cooked there. And um, I wanted to be like really honest to myself. I own a cafe in Melbourne. I'm not going to try and bells and whistles. Like, this is what it is. It is Melbourne, a cafe, what we're known for. So we're bringing that to here. Yeah, and... That philosophy. That philosophy, but I did the nighttime food. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, whoa, this is amazing. What am I going to do? And I tried, at that point, I was, you know, I was playing around with fresh cheese. So you, you do the canopies in the kitchen, so the guests arrive. It's like 80 guests. Um, uh, canopies in the kitchen, and then it's five courses. Um, and you have to do everything. It's all your five courses. Oh, no, actually, sorry. He does a couple of courses in between, but there's five courses from me, three from him. Oh, yeah. So the canopies in the kitchen were, and this was an amazing thing for them, and they never had never made fresh cheese before. So I made fresh curds to order. As soon as they came in, I warmed the milk, had the thing, let, sliced it, let it set, let it set, turned it out, and just sprinkled a little bit of lemon myrtle salt on it. Um, that sounds awesome. It was amazing. Yeah. I took over some... Uh, uh, Yarra Valley salmon caviar. Yeah. And made Vegemite onion scrolls, little ones. And that was the other canapé. And then the last canapé was, um, I'd had this idea for clams and using New Zealand clams and talk, trying to talk about sustainability. And anyway, they've got amazing bottleneck clams over there. So I was like, let's just shook them fresh. But that morning of the, sorry, the two mornings before, um, we went for a walk around the pine forests and we, it was fresh sep season. Oh. So I got a lot of seps and I made a fresh sep exo sauce. And again, they'd never seen that, that fermenting of the mushroom and making an exo. Yeah, me neither. I'm not going to lie. Me and neither. So I, I opened up the fresh clam and put hot exo on top and that was the other one. And I was like, I'll be honest with you, I couldn't be prouder. With, yeah, good with for you. With those things. I'm going, like, it wasn't about being... I wasn't trying to be something I was not. Yeah, yeah, with the which scroll. Is, which was really fucking hard. Like, mentally, I was like, why are you asking me? Like, oh, and I came back from that going, oh, maybe I should be trying a bit harder. Am I not trying hard enough? No, I'm enjoying my life. I love what I do. I, oh, maybe I should just open nights again. And it really actually confused me. Yeah, while, like, yeah, really I, could, I could imagine. Mentally going, all right, well. Is this a, pl- is this a s- is stepping this, stone? Is this, is this a stepping stone? Is this, yeah. do I, do I want to be in gourmet? Do I want to be in the hottest 100? Yeah, do I want to yeah. be in the gourmet? Do I want to, do I want fucking two hats? Yeah, yeah. Do I, do I? Then no. you look at your kids. No, no, no. And then I was like, but it's not the, f- I, I just want to, like, I don't have, I've got an ego, I think everyone, but I, that doesn't, that's not the thing that drives me. The farmer element drives me of it. So if I'm going to do it, I want to be better to showcase more. Yeah, do yeah. what I do. Anyway, there's a couple of dishes and like, I also did a, a sharing dish. I did a carrot dish and it, all it was on the plate was carrot. It was carrot, cooked in carrots and then that sauce, the carrot juice is made into a sauce. Three blobs of smoked yogurt and wattle seed. And I sent it out 
And I went out, and everyone's gone, wow, that's the best dish we've had. And one guy ate, I think I was number 10. Yeah, I was the 10th. And he's gone, I've, I've eaten every night. You, I knew nothing about you. I didn't even research. I wasn't really looking forward to coming. This is what he's telling this American guy. And he goes, <laughs> brutally but honest. that carrot dish was the best one out of anything. Oh. And having the fresh cheese. And I'm like, thanks. And he goes, I also like that you're the, uh, the first time that you've ever they've done a sharing main at Meadowood. <laughs> That's awesome. And I did, I, well, the other thing I said to him was I made them plant potatoes. I asked them to plant potatoes and I wanted to run out to the garden and freshly grab them just before, as the guests come in that they could see that they were yeah, get, f- yeah, harvesting yeah. them and then we just boiled them and then from the clam stock from the freshly sucked clams I mixed it with chopped uh, jalapeno and cornichons and a bit of sour cream and just freshly boiled potatoes quickly rubbed and they fucking hated me for this one it's like you know so they're all waxy yeah, like yeah, almost yeah. like tin potatoes yeah and you pour that over. And my thing of this was going, when I was broke in Scotland, I used to eat tin potatoes. They were 10 pence. <laughs> right? You strain it off. You strain it, well, you pour them into... I don't think I've ever had Pour them, them into a bowl. Put them in the fucking microwave. And I used to have just butter on it. And salt. Yeah, yeah. And the salty, briny element that, that was the whole idea of that clammy thing. Yeah. The butter. I get it. And just easily out of the tin with pickled beetroot. I love And spam. Beetroot. I used to eat fucking spam. <laughs> and shit white bread. Toasted sandwiches and that, that used to be my dinner. Just <laughs> skin. It was because we were like a pound with a pack of Space Raiders. Anyway, uh, so that that was that was blow away and an experience, you know. Yeah, awesome. Like there was like I'd had a bit of a as well because it just been made legal <laughs> in California. Bit of smoke. A bit of smoke, and they give me one. So they, they gave me this package of welcome. Anyway, so I, I got myself a bit of a smoke. And I've had it, and I've walked from the restaurant. We had a beer, and I've walked from the restaurant. Sorry. Yeah, no, sorry. I'd walked from the restaurant to um, where I was staying. Yeah, which was like you know, it's it's in the grounds, but it's a good eight hundred meters. And they're like, um, "How do you go getting home? Like, did you take the buggy?" And I was like, "No, I walked." It's like, "You were lucky. They saw mountain lions." Last you night, and I'm like, what a mountain line. They're like, yeah, it would have got you. I was like, get fucked. <laughs> so I'm like, and I'm just there walking around, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> whoa, mountain line. Right, imagine if I'd seen oh, it. Oh man, it'd have yeah, been funny. Would, no, it it would've. wouldn't have been funny. Right, let's finish this off. <laughs> I want to, um, uh, just a quick kind of quick fire. Um, chips and gravy or chips and curry sauce? Uh, both in a both <laughs> in a bread bun. <laughs> Definitely. I was going to say beer, butty. But beer and lager, but you're lager, aren't you? I know yeah. that one. Um, corned beef and onion or cheese and onion pasty? Corned beef. Oh, yeah, me too. Cheese and onion gives me acid. Yeah. Um, roast beef or glazed ham? Roast beef. Survivor or The Bachelor? <laughs> Neither. <laughs> but if I'm going to watch one, The Bachelor. Uh, <laughs> it starts tonight. <laughs> It does. <laughs> it, does. <laughs> it really does. With it, with, what's he called as well? The yeah, the honey badger. The honey badger. Yeah, I'm. I'm. A, I'm, honest, I'm. I'm not gonna lie. I've never watched any of them or whatever. But I am looking forward to having this. Oh. He's funny. He's a funny guy. He's a funny guy. He's a good crack. You know the, the guys that I like are the Hazard twins from the Goldie. I don't know. That. And there's a. They're on Instagram. They're funny. There's kind of. Like, have you seen that Cook Slams? It's like you know when 
it's all about things on water that go wrong. Oh, uh, it's no. just you know you know when it's someone else's misfortunes. Oh, I love it. You know, like Jeremy Beadles. Remember yeah, Jeremy? Yeah, yeah, uh, what, was it, what was it called? Beadles uh, about. Beadles about. And yeah, yeah what, well, people's mistakes. Yeah, it's like he's got a co- big cock in one hand and a small cock in the other. Yeah, you know, <laughs> he's got two different <laughs> size hands, hands, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, when when someone's mistakes, that's what they they're on. Yeah, you used to get like fun. 50 quid send yeah, it in send it in <laughs> 50, quid. <laughs> 50 quid well listen Matt thank you very much for doing this awesome again thanks for your support at the beginning your constant yeah. support and the rest of it and yeah good luck with the next six months enjoy it and I'm sure we'll see you um, smashing some goals maybe we're just, just on holiday <laughs> <laughs> thanks again take it cheers, easy cheers bro